What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sip Pop writer, Kristen. Hello. Kristen, uh, joining us for the very first time, of course. Uh, Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on my first episode of the Sip Pop writer's room and even in the podcast world of what is Sif pop and ready to talk some film and movies and all that good jazz yeah. especially tv tv uh that is the main thing that we'll be doing today so uh we write for sifpop.com we do things like movie reviews best ever challenges and plenty of other movie related articles um recently published a review from you from together so go check that out on sifpop.com as well as a bunch of other stuff um and then uh, on today's show, though, uh, on the podcast, we're going to talk about two coming attractions. We're, we got Cry Macho coming out this week and The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, those are both uh, coming out this week. So we'll talk about them a little bit. Um, and then we'll talk about just a bunch of TV, um, which will be great. Um, and then we have a B plot, um, which uh, we will talk about some of the best TV characters ever in honor of Michael K. Williams' death, who portrayed maybe the best character in all of television history with Omar. So um, we will talk about other really amazing um, uh, TV characters. And of course, we'll do a spinoff and wrap things up. But first, as always, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Um, Kristen, um, when did you realize that kind of movies are your thing? I realized it at a very, very, very young age. I remember going to my first film, which was the Tigger movie, when I was probably about three years old. I know it sounds so silly, but it's like a nice little memory because my my dad's dad is the one who really got me into film and just admiring it. He was just really into like the idea of going to the movies and especially showing me like, you know, the classics. And he was always the one who got me like VHS tapes. Like if I wanted a movie for Christmas or if I got a good grade on my report card, he would always be like, all right, go to the, go to your local Walmart and tell your mom to pick out a movie that you want. So I, that was me. I've always like, didn't want a Barbie doll. I've always wanted like a movie. So like, I was pretty much like the outsider of all the kids in my like class, I would have to say. And then even growing into like middle school, like I was the same way. And then high school, like I really embraced it. And then I knew pretty much when I was a sophomore in uh, high school, I knew right away for the rest of my life that I want to do something with film. And whether that be like writing about film, either making a film, producing, whatever it might be, I wanted to do something with film. And then from there, I actually went on to grad school to pursue, like, you know, went to the college route. But like I said, for college, I went on to pursue a master's degree. So I have like a master's degree in screen studies. So pretty much. uh, Thank you. I'm very, very proud of it. Um, Lots of hard work and dedication. I didn't want to like, you know you know, stop loving film and continuing it. But um, I'm trying to make it like, you know, my career and everything and 
pretty much is now. But um, yeah, I've never stopped. Lo- I've never stopped loving film, and I've always had a passion for film. Awesome, that's great. I always love hearing answers to this question, and it's when did you realize you had a passion for movies and all that? And like, I, I love when answers are oh, like. Well, it's this person. Like, it, it, the, really, the question becomes more of, like, it's not when, it's it's who instilled. It's the person who, yeah, truly, it's the person who really inspires you, honestly. I was lucky enough to have a really great grandpa who was always passionate about, you know, cinema. And he, you know, was fortunate enough to go to, like, the Academy Awards and the Emmy sometimes. So he would always tell me, like, the great stories. He would, you know, get to meet certain people and go to certain parties and just say, um, one day, Kristen, I, I know you'll be, you know, sw- uh, elbowing, you know, the arms of, you know, uh, what is it, Ben Stiller or someone like that. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I hope that happens. <laughs> Very cool. That's awesome. Um, so then, like, you've seen a lot of films then throughout the years. You know, you've already mentioned the Tigger film, so, like, all that. Uh, what would you say is your favorite movie of all time? This is such a hard question because everybody asks me this all the time because I have so many favorites. I feel like mm-hmm. I wake up every day with a new favorite. Like, okay, today Django Unchained is my favorite movie. Today La La Land is my favorite movie. Today Lilo and Stitch is my favorite movie. Today... Uh, despite how bad it is, Cheaper by the Dozen, the one with Steve Martin, is my favorite movie. Like, I just hey, look, have... it may be bad, but it's a lot of fun. So. Oh, yeah. Like, I have, like, so many favorites that I just grew up loving or just, you know, I went to the theater and I just loved it. And uh, could be anything that came across my radar and just really sparks my interest. I know it's my favorite, but, you know, going back to my list of favorites, I said earlier, like, La La Land is my favorite. I love La La Land. It's probably the most, most of the time when somebody asks that question, if they're looking for a specific answer, I usually say La La Land Mm -hmm. because it has all that charm and flair of what I love about cinema. And it's just such a beautiful film and, I, I can always just rewatch it and always feel happy and just still cry no matter how many times. Like I never, I never like spoiling that movie. So you know how it, I'm sure you have seen it and you know, yeah, I know happens. it's like number six for me. Yeah. So you know what happens at the end of that film, right? Yeah, like, everybody you know what There's a nuke goes yeah. off in Los Angeles. Yep. Yes, that's what happens. <laughs> but like that ending makes me cry despite you know what happens. So um, yeah, I usually say that. Um, for a while, like I was saying, also at number one is Baby Driver. I adore Baby Driver a lot. I'm really excited. We're actually last night in Soho with Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright mm-hmm. really grew on me, especially when I went to college. I wasn't a huge, big fan of his when I was in like high school, but I really got to like really admiring him when I was going to get to college. And I was just like blown away from, you know, rewatching Scott Pilgrim and uh, Shaun of the Dead, and um, I haven't seen The World's End. That's the only Edgar Wright film I haven't seen, but yet I've seen everything that he's done. <laughs> Don't ask World's, me why. The World's End is better than people give it credit for, but it's just, it's nowhere near as good as Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. So when it's yeah. the ending of the Cornetto trilogy, yeah, that's my it is kind of underwhelming, but it's it's really good. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the, like I said, that's the only one, and I've heard so many people say it's mixed too, but then I'm like, okay, do I give in and watch it now? But 
I, yeah, I feel like it. I need to yeah. because it's Edgar Wright and I adore him. It is absolutely worth your time. Yes, of course. So um, yeah, and uh, Baby Driver is also among among my favorites. I'm actually really like giddy today because the Hawkeye trailer dropped this morning. Oh, I was freaking out. And everything about it looks like Shane Black made this, and Shane Black made my favorite movie of all time, The Nice Guys. Is it The Nice Guys? It is. <gasps> Yeah. Oh yes, somebody else loves that movie other than me, and like oh, most of the Civ Pop people adore that movie. But I know like, I, 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 like, I feel like I have to bring it up every like ten episodes or so, you know, in case this I, is somebody's first time. Somebody challenged me a while ago on Instagram to post like ten movies that were really unappreciated, and that one was number one for sure on my list because the Nice Guys does not get enough credit that it deserves. Yeah, it deserves all the credit. It deserves a Criterion release and a 4K release. And, yeah. Oh, I would a, love a Criterion release. That's and, good. And a Steelbook. Uh, I didn't. Criterion's first Steelbook. Let's go. We should campaign for that. Can we start like a change.org? I've been position? trying. If you look at my Twitter, <laughs> one out of every three tweets is that the nice guys deserved a sequel. Oh, I will sign it. I'm ready for a sequel. I'm even ready for a series if Ryan Reynolds and uh, Russell Crowe want to do a TV series. Well, Ryan I'm Gosling, but I would also watch Ryan Reynolds in that role. Oh, yeah, Ryan Reynolds. I said, I say Ryan Gosling. I, I always no, no, you said, Ryan Gos- you said Ryan Reynolds. It's Ryan Gosling. I know. <laughs> I fixed it up. Thank you for clarifying. The, the two gorgeous, young, you know, Hollywood actors. Yeah, I'll watch them both in anything. Though. Yeah, yeah That's same. the thing. So, but yeah, I will campaign for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so then, like, what uh, what kind of got you involved, like, specifically with writing for Sif Pop? I saw, I believe it was fellow writer to the Sif uh, Pop, Shane Kanto, who reviews uh, many movies for the website. And he yep. made a post saying, hey, Sif uh, Pop is looking for writers. It showed up on his Instagram story. And I was like, oh, I'm looking to expand my writing and, you know, gain more of my following and hope, you know, you know, gain my voice out there a little bit more when it comes to film. And he's he's like, oh, yeah, go for it. And I'm happy to be part of the Sif Pop crew. And I'm, you know, really enjoying seeing some of the films. I've been able to get some screeners for stuff. So stuff Mm -hmm. that I wanted to see for a long time. And, you know, I'm getting to like even review films that I may not get to talk about. So it's it's fun. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. The Sif Hop crew is a really good pe- group of people. It always has been, but everybody's uh, been pretty nice, so I haven't. I don't have any complaints. <laughs> good, because uh, if you did, then maybe we should take them off the air. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's been good. Uh, I love the people that are involved. And the thing I always tell people the most is that Sif Pop is not uh, um, is not like a, a board or a, it's not like a a governing body or anything like that. It's, it's really a community. Uh, at least I tell all the new writers there. And so like, look, the more that you invest in this community, the more you're going to get out of it. And there are people that post once every six months and they get yeah, a, I can about see that. once every six months worth of it. But those people that are like, you know, you mentioned Shane or like Joseph is really active, especially in Slack. Jake is really active in Slack. Um, Heath is maybe the most active, like new person in our Slack. Yeah. Community. I've been seeing him come up a couple of times and I've been enjoying like participating in some of the, best challenges i've done a couple of them but not many i'm still figuring out like what films i want to put up there because you know a lot everybody wants to review the popular films so it's hard to say oh okay i want to review this one but sometimes uh, lately i've been having fun looking back at some of the netflix projects that you know that may not get reviewed so it's been a lot of fun something that's been overlooked you know like uh i don't know like the nice guys yeah (laughs) any chance to write about the nice guys i think i just need a permanent hold for the bec (laughs) 
Yeah, honestly. And it gets me also to, you know, explore other movies that I may not get to review. Like I thought of reviewing the Paw Patrol movie and I wasn't going to watch <laughs> it. But do you know what? I was like, let me watch it for Sip Pop. I will write about it. And I like, you know, thought I was decent for a kid's movie. I was a babysitter like nanny most of my life throughout high school and college. So it just was like, oh, this is perfect if I had, you know, kids or was like, you know, still like babysitting and taking kids I would be to the movies or whatever. I knew this is the movie I would want to show them. So it was such a cute watch. So it makes me happy to get to view films like that, especially like, you know, animation. I love animated movies. Yeah. Um, there we go. Full-throated recommend for Paw, Paw, Paw Patrol by Kristen. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, honestly. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a, one quick second to kind of steer away from movies uh, to get a chance to kind of know you a little bit more. Uh, and I have one random question for you. And Kristen, here's my one random question. For you. When you go to the grocery store, what kind of bread do you buy? Uh, oh, so this is the question I was really excited about. Oh, so, dang it. I thought you were being sarcastic. I, no, I was really excited about it because I was sitting there for a while and I was just like, oh, bread, because I love bread. I have this uh, listed every week as the example question that I like will ask something similar to. And I thought one week it would just be fun. If I just like, you know, because I always tell them it's not going to be that question, but it's going to be something that vain. I'm like, one week it's going to be fun if I actually ask that question. And of course, you were prepared for it. So what, yeah. kind of, what kind of bread do you buy? Honestly. Oh, OK. So normally I get rye bread. Sometimes I'll go for a whole wheat. But here's the thing. Since the pandemic, I've been making bread with Ooh. my mom. So over the weekend, um, my family and I have, you know, of course, you know, Sunday dinner, of course. So my mom made, you know, homemade bread and I got to help her make it. And, you know, uh, we made an Italian herb bread and we turned that into garlic bread. So, you know, oh, it was so good. It, it was just like, you know, when you feel something like it's like tastes like so good when it's homemade, that's when I love it. So it's all homemade. So it's like, no, oh, yeah. all from scratch. So I'm like, I haven't, I don't get to buy bread that much from the store anymore because we just make it like homemade because it's like. We have the ingredients of why, you know, the money. I've been like, uh, yeah, experimenting with some things that people are always telling me like, oh, it's always better if you just make it yourself. And I'm like, I really doubt that because like when I first, <laughs> like I, I cook a lot. I love to cook. Like, and when I first, uh, you know, got um, started like actually cooking at home, people are like, oh, you really got to use fresh garlic. It's so much better than when you buy the mint stuff in a jar. And like, honestly, no, it's not. And garlic is a lot of work. It's, garlic it, is a lot of work it is <laughs> it's so much work and it's it's maybe slightly better but it's really not worth it just buy the stuff in the in the glass jar i promise you as or long like as you're, big as long as you're spending as long as you're spending quality you know as long as you're not just going for you know whatever that was on the floor of a trader joe's or whatever you know if you if you like actually like seek out some stuff that you didn't pay 99 cents for you know like and, and you keep it refrigerated. Like honestly, it's just not worth it. But I did recently for the first time because uh, for, we had a, a Fourth of July day party and I threw together a veggie tray and I just started saving some of the scraps and I made my own chicken stock. Let me tell you something: chicken stock homemade is every single time a million times better than even the best stuff you can buy in a grocery store. Oh yeah, I believe it's that. So good and I yes, I it now tastes make good when stock. you make it with like like a homemade chicken soup with mm -hmm. that. Oh, it's so good. So, yeah. So I did, uh, I followed mostly uh, Babish from YouTube. I followed mostly his. Uh, I love Babish. His Do you have his cookbook? Yeah. 
I, I have his cookbook. I made one year uh, for New Year's Eve, the butter beer. Mm-hmm. I made that. I haven't made anything else from that book. <laughs> oh, I. Um... What, what, what have you made that you can recommend to me? All right. It's not in his cookbook, but okay. it is available for free online. You can find his recipe. Okay. Make his mac and cheese. His mac and cheese. Okay. So just Google Babish mac and cheese and it'll go up there. Um, because you know, he, he, uh, and there's the YouTube video you can find of him making mac and cheese, um, because he compares it to like, if you just buy craft in a box and honestly, like I, I think craft in a box is fine. Um, it's gone downhill over the years. I it has, that. it has. And now that they don't have the SpongeBob ones anymore, you know, it's definitely way downhill, but um, no, they have the Paw Patrol <laughs> going back to the Paw Patrol. So, so like, look, there's nothing wrong with craft or easy Mac or like, I love me some like a Cracker Barrel white cheddar Mac right now. Um, but what you do is you make, um, you make a, a bechamel sauce. So you cook some pasta and you make a bechamel sauce, which is like milk and flour and stuff. And you like re- re- essentially reduce a bunch of like dairy and turn it into this like thick, creamy paste. And then you add for every pound of pasta, a pound of sh- fresh shredded cheese, like oh my gosh. aged white cheddar, Gruyere, Fontaine, like some really like not inexpensive, but good stuff. Um, and you shred all that together and then you add the cheese to the bechamel sauce and you kind of fold it in. And now all of a sudden you've got this really thick, just delicious paste. And then you pour all that over your cooked noodles and then you top toss in some fresh mozzarella pearls. Um, and then you add, um, uh, like into the pasta with the bechamel sauce in it now. And then you add a freshly grated Parmesan all over the top. Um, and I, because I think it's the best way if you're going to hand make, uh, mac and cheese from scratch. I also add breadcrumbs on the top. Oh, you have so. to. That's when it's really, really crispy. I love it when it gets crunchy on top. Yeah. Oh, so, so it will good. take a while to make, and you will undoubtedly mess up the bechamel sauce the first time or two you make it. But it is by far the best mac and cheese you can I'm going to have to make it then. I need to find the recipe then. Yeah. It, like I said, if you just Google bad bechamel mac and cheese, you should be able to figure it out. And you want to go for the like, it's like bechamel and Mornay sauce. Like, cause there's like three different ones on the same page. You're going for bechamel and Mornay sauce. So that's what you're going for. Um, and you can watch his video to watch him make it side by side. So cool. as far as bread, um, I buy uh honey wheat, um, honey, wheat? honey wheat and uh, for like regular, but um, my wife likes when I buy cinnamon swirl. <gasps> that's and, so good. I was on a kick for that a really long time in high school. I That's all I used to do was bread and cinnamon <laughs> raisin. I am often on uh, oat nut bread. That is... What's oat nut bread? What, it's, I never... it's just like wheat bread, uh, but on the outside, um, they have like oats and like tree nuts like on the crust okay. that they bake. Is that like that Dave's bread? I have no idea. Okay, because there, there's this thing that's been going around. I like see it all the time on you know, Facebook or something like that. There's this Dave's bread and they sell it at, you know, they sell all the time at Costco and it's got like this like muscular like guy who looks like he could play guitar in like rock band or something like that, I feel like. And he's got this long black hair. I believe he has long black hair and he's just selling off this bread and it looks like he could start playing guitar the way he holds the bread. Okay. yeah, I, I, that, I don't that know does not sound like familiar to me, but I would not be surprised if they were similar. But <laughs> anyway, oat nut bread is uh, is what it is. But hey, you ready to talk about more movies? Yes. Okay, so we got two coming out this week. Um, we're going to talk about well, there's more than two coming out this week, but we're going to talk about two: um, Cry Macho and The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Kristen, which one do you want to start with? 
I really want to start with the eyes of Tammy Faye because I'm really excited for that one more than Crying Macho, honestly. All right, we'll go ahead and just spoil your anticipation level then. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, the eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, this is a film. Um, is this a theatrical or Amazon? I, I can't remember, honestly. This is a theatrical release. Okay. So, so uh, exclusively theatrical um, for now. Uh, yes, only in theaters this September. Got it. Um, the synopsis for this movie, according to IMDb, is an intimate look at the extraordinary rise, fall, and redemption of televangelist Tammy Faye Baker. Um, this is uh, starring uh, Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, as well as some other people that we will for sure talk about. Uh, but these are, um, this is a new film uh, coming out this week. And. Um, Kristen, you kind of know our scale a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. No COVID in the world. Let's just imagine that for a second. Um, no mask wearing in the theater. You know, just uh, went in. We don't have that in Iowa. <laughs> Iowa has like 14 people total. So. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. Uh, so uh, just imagine no no COVID. We don't have to worry about that. Um, and uh, this is a theatrical exclusive movie, so we don't have to make that caveat as well. And uh, let's also just throw schedule and find it and like, you know, what, whether this would fit in our budget out the window as well. In a fantasy world, um, uh, one that just feels so close, but so far away. Um, <laughs> uh, would you go check this out opening weekend? Would you wait for a discount night? Would you wait till you can rent it at home? Uh, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for. Or are you not interested in watching this movie? Oh, I'm very interested in this movie. It just shines a light on somebody that I'm not too familiar with. And I always love learning about people that I'm not too familiar with and exploring a world that I may not get to view of seeing it through their lens. I'm really excited for it. And I love Andrew Garfield and I love Jessica Chastain. So this is a film that was, I feel like was calling for my name to see like, Oh, Kristen, you're really going to like this. Go check it out. So I'm definitely seeing this opening weekend. Um, Probably it might be between a matinee or late night, it just depends on when I could see it at the best time, honestly. Yeah, but like I said, you know, fantasy world. Yeah, in the fantasy worlds, I would so pay the seven, I would go to the seven o'clock showing, you know, right on the spot, you know, go get a nice dinner beforehand and then, you know, go to the movie. And uh, I'm I'm really excited for it. Even if it, the reviews look say it's not great, I'm still going to see it. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Rent at Home. Okay, why? Now, I typically don't do Rent at Home anyway, uh, but I think there's – this looks like a compelling story that I don't know too well. So you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, there's so much pulling me towards this movie um, that it's hard to say I'm not interested. But at the same time, I, th- I think this is an important film um, for for me to see. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about my, my profession as a campus minister. I um, take uh, my my faith seriously and uh, – and, and, um, I think so. I think it is important for people of all regard, all aspects of faith, to be able to expose themselves to something like this. Who I don't really know too much of their story, but I know they're not good people. And um, right, I think I think that more not good people need to be ex- exposed to not good people stories, so they can hopefully be like, hey, like, or people that are like, dec- I'd consider myself to be a decent person to be able yes. to, um, you know, me for like twenty minutes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I, I, I like. I feel like it's important to be like, hey, these, these, this is the people. I just also feel like I don't know that this is a movie that the world needs right now. I can see that. Maybe it's just the wrong time to be releasing it now. But I, it's it's my only hangup. But it's enough. But it's enough for me because 
you got Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield, who are two of my favorite working actors. Uh, I think Jessica Chastain is maybe like the best female actress we've ever seen. Um, at least to me, I mean, like she's just incredible. Um, and it's a real shame that she hasn't won an Oscar yet. She'll Um, get there eventually. I think this is the movie that's going to make her say, I'm going for my Oscar campaign, you know, but that was Molly's game and she didn't even get nominated. She was my favorite performance that year. Well, you got to keep going. If you find the next movie that's going to get you an Oscar, you got to keep going. I know. So, uh, and then Andrew Garfield, who of course is, is my favorite, my personal favorite. I don't think he's best, but he's my favorite Spider-Man. Um, he's your favorite Spider-Man. Honestly? Yes. <gasps> wow. That's someone who, that's like, I feel like that's rare nowadays where I feel like I hear somebody say that's their favorite Spider-Man. Like it's, it's totally Tom Holland is the best and most, most comic act, most comic. But I think Andrew Garfield, just the way that he portrayed him was just perfect for me. Uh, he's great in Hacksaw Ridge. He's great in silence. Um, he's great in the I social love network. Silence. He's oh. great in literally everything I've ever seen him in. Um, even Did in. you ever see Breathe? I haven't. Okay, that's the Andy Serkis movie he directed, and Andrew Garfield's in that movie. You got to check it out. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> actually, tomorrow I'm busy. <laughs> Catch uh, him later on that tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, but he's uh, yeah, 99 Homes. He's really good in. Um, this guy's just awesome. Uh, anything he's in, I'm, I'm I haven't seen Mainstream. I know that was the other big one this year. I'm oh, don't watch excited. it! Don't watch it. That's I the know. one I've been. Telling t- people to avoid this year, don't watch that one. It's probably Andrew Garfield at his cringiest worst. And it's probably like if Jake Paul had a movie. All right. That, you just completely turned me off of that movie. <laughs> um, but he's uh, – anyway, he is he is terrific. Uh, and, of course, he's coming out with Tick, Tick, Boom later this year that I'm so excited for. Uh, um, can I share you a fun fact about Tick, Tick, Boom? Sure. Um, I don't know if I can totally reveal this or not, but – um, where I went to school, they filmed some of Tick, Tick, Boom. That's awesome. Yeah, so I don't know what they actually did on the set, but... I don't know that that's something that you couldn't reveal, but... I, I like, that's, like, because where I went to school, it's I went to school on a soundstage, mm. actually, which is used for... Um, maybe this is me promoting my sc- the school I went to. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, uh, where I went to school, it's part of a studio where they film all sorts of TV shows and movies. So wedged in the middle of there is a film school in Brooklyn. So um, they filmed all sorts of movies there. They filmed like Greatest Showman and um, they filmed the recent, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Aretha Franklin film there. So there was always projects. Yeah, there was always projects going on there. And uh, you never know who you might bump into. I didn't get to really bump into anyone at my time there. Uh But... uh, no, it was always, always busy. So, like, every time I was going down a street, you it depended on, like, uh, if they were going to film down this one particular street or not. So, some streets might be closed for the day. So, I had to think of, like, an alternate route to get to my, you know, class. So, but it was a lot of fun. So, um, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we also have um, Vincent D'Onofrio in here. Of course, uh, Men in Black, Full Metal Jacket, um, Jurassic World, um, Daredevil playing. Um, Kingpin, uh, yeah, um, plenty and plenty and plenty of good stuff um, from Vincent D'Onofrio, and he is always incredible as well. Um, really love him. I like the director of this movie too. Yeah, so that was the the other one I was good to. Oh, and Cherry Jones as well, and Frederick Lane Lenny, whatever L E H N E. They're both recognizable faces. Yeah, the director, man, what a career this guy's had. Michael Showalter, um, 
because I know him most from What Hot American Summer as an actor. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> so like, what a what a career that now he's di- directing a movie like this. And I know, I think he did. Um, I thought he directed another serious movie somewhere recently. When I was looking up his filmography earlier, I forgot he directed Lovebirds, which I did not like, really. Yeah, but and he also was, did The Big Sick, which is yeah, incredible. Yeah, which is, I've heard, really, really good. That's the only movie I didn't get to see of his. But otherwise, I've seen pretty much everything else he's done. It's very, very good. So, uh, so yeah, him him kind of directing here and the, uh, the writer, um, Abe Silva, hasn't nurse Jackie is probably his like most recognizable, uh, not a ton of work, but this is based off of a documentary apparently. Um, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Like there's, there, there's definitely some impressive work in front of the camera. It's just my hang up is I'm, I just don't think that this is the movie we need right now because in what has been such a, uh, politically, personally, spiritually, all of that, like divided nation, um, divided people group, uh, not, I mean, not just in America either. Um, what is, what is, what is things that have just been tearing people apart? And I'm personally of a proponent uh, with Christianity. The the movement that I associate myself with is is trying to focus on the things that unite us as opposed to the things that divide us. And I feel like uh, even though this movie may be well intentioned to show here's somebody that had good intentions and abused power and abused people and all that and wound up hurting a lot of people, I just I don't know that that's the story that we need right now and i like it's like especially right now you know it'd be like if joker came out today like this right. is clearly not the movie we need right now um I, you know I, I, it's just enough of a hang up for me to be like you know film, one of the things i i'm gonna go ahead and do this twice in a week i guess i'm gonna spoil the, the best ever challenge for this week uh because I, I, I try i try not to do it but we're talking about um films that are about christians um, because there's a good number of them and a lot of them are bad, but we do want to highlight some of the good ones. And there's some great ones there. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't finalized the list or anything. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't even know what's going to be number one, but like, you know, we got like, um, Hacksaw Ridge and we've got Spotlight, which are two incredible movies. And, you know, you throw in like Last Temptation of Christ and Passion of the Christ and all that. Um, some like really remarkable features, but it seems more often than not the movies that are depicted or depict Christians are spotlight <laughs> and um, yeah, I and, could see and that. doubt Definitely. and like, it just feels like most movies that feature Christians are featuring the worst people. It and every now and the then you get a hack. Yes. And that's and what just... I could definitely say. And um, uh, I got to explore more of that through actually what your experience explaining through an experimental lens when one of the classes i actually was fortunate enough to take when i went of the in school was a uh, religion and film course so one of the films that we got to explore was like passion of the christ and mm-hmm. seeing it through that lens and then watching like tr- the truman show and seeing it as a philosophical and religious lens Ooh, so that'd be great yeah, there's, there's actually, if you do a deep dive, you, you'll, you'll be amazed to find what kind of religious beliefs and connections are related to the Truman Show. And I don't even um, need to think that hard about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, really interesting. But um, even like Mother, I, mm-hmm. I may not like Mother, but it just bring it just shows like, you know, even the Catholic and Christian religion doesn't shine them as a pretty light, you know? Right. It just, you know, brings out the worst, like kind of like what, you know, I'm saying, but I know you're how you feel about it. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I just like, and I, I, 
I don't know. It, it's something about this. Just I'm sure this is going to be a very well made film, mm-hmm. very well acted. I'm I'm confident this is going to be positive on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm sure I would actually enjoy the film. Um, it's definitely not something. And you know, like we're we're recording this on Monday um, when this releases, and this is like releasing a week after 9 11 uh the 20th anniversary um and the and uh gosh, they actually it just, just released a score for tammy Faye on rotten tomatoes right now it's at a 71 with yeah, 24 uh, reviews i'm sure it's gonna be great like i'm like i said i'm sure it's gonna be good i'm sure people are gonna like it i just it just feels like not the right time but i get like it's oscar season and i also get the argument of like there will never be a right time and like i hope i'm mm-hmm. really wrong i just I don't think we need more movies about bad people. And like, if this movie glamorizes in any way, um, either of these people, because I know that there will be like, same thing with like what, what Dicer thinks about, uh, about uh, like gangster movies. How it's really hard for him to like Goodfellas because he doesn't want to root for these people. Mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, I mean, they definitely talk about in the synopsis, the rise, fall and redemption of Tammy Faye Baker. It's like, if she's the person that I think she is, I don't like, I don't think you we want should, to be I don't think her. we should celebrate her. Yeah, I feel like that goes even back to the conversation. This goes back a couple of years ago, and most recently was the uh, I Tanya movie. You know, yes, Tanya Harding. Same thing. And you know, you don't. You know, as much as the film is really good, that was actually one of the films I got to you know see, watch during quarantine. And um, one and you know, she grew up in a bad home. I get that, and the film just you know illustrates that. But what she did. For, is absolutely unspeakable and absolutely unnecessary, you know, for what she did to, you know, that poor woman. And, you know, everybody knows her now because of the movie and for what, and the crime that she committed. And it just shows she just not, does not seem to be redeemable for what she did, you know? And I guess that involves a lot of cancel culture nowadays too. So. Yeah. And like, look, I don't, I don't think we're necessarily the people that are like, should be the end all be all on this. I just, yeah. I, I love how you brought up I, Tanya as like an, an example of this exact same thing that is from a non-faith, you know, not necessarily from a faith perspective. not But from, from a morally yes, perspective. Like, we, yeah. should, we should not celebrate that, you know, Tanya Harding. We should not, um, you know, it's, we could talk about this all day. And yeah, I, honestly, I, I could go on for about this too. I know. I'm, sh- I'm sure, like, I'm sure I'm just talking myself in circles. And I'm sure there are also some people that are screaming at the radio, like, Aaron, you're such an idiot, or Aaron, you're so biased, or, or whatever. Like, and, but I just, I ha- it would be, gosh, um, it, I, I'm feeling similar vibes of like when all of a sudden there was a craze to make Ted Bundy stuff recently. Yeah. Did you see the thing that came out? No, I haven't seen about... any of it and I'm not going to see any of it. I, I recently saw the Ted Bundy film that just came out about Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> I, I haven't seen any of them. The the whichever like the the Zac Efron one or I I don't I'm not interested in watching a film about him and maybe maybe a documentary. Um, maybe I'm not interested in watching a film, especially if he's portrayed with any sort of likability. No, he, and, and most of the stuff I've seen that's Ted Bundy, he's painted to be a very unlikable guy, which is you know what should be as you know because he was a monster. He was one of the most craziest people I probably have ever, you know, but heard about. But somebody is going to sympathize with him. Out there. I know, which is and that's absolutely problem. nuts. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and same thing with like, you know, I already mentioned the Joker movie, like, gosh, anybody that wants, anybody that roots for that guy, like is. <sighs> as much as I love Joker, I don't root for anything. 
I just want him to get help. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I love. The only thing you can root for the Joker about is that he gets help, the proper help. I loved the movie when I walked out of the theater. I thought this was really well done. Like at least technically, you could tell it's brilliant. And I watched it once more the weekend of the Oscars, and I really hated it. And I hate it the more I think about it, and I hate it the more I experience it a little bit. I think it's one of the most overrated movies of all time. Really? I, I really hate it. I hate every theme and message it tries to display. And I hate that they try to make this character likable. Um, okay. It should have never worked. It should. They should. The only way this movie would have worked is if you have, like, the Mark Hamill kind of crazy type where... Um, yeah, where you don't have, where you don't want to root for him, where you're just watching from his perspective. Uh, but <laughs> um, excuse my home phone. <laughs> <laughs> you people still have home phones? Wow. I know. My, I grew up. I, I'm still living in a home where home phones are still a thing because it just comes along with my dad's package. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll get off my soapbox now. I just, I, th- I don't think this is the movie we need. I, I understand the need for the story to be told at some point and the need for people to recognize evil and to see evil. Um, there is just something off-putting to me about when you make main characters your protagonist of people that should be the antagonists in the story. It's like it's like Spotlight, right? Mm-hmm. Spotlight's the better example of this because Spotlight is about the reporters that break the case of people doing bad things. Or like that, it, it should be focused on the, the true heroes of the story. It would be like if you wanted to make, again, a recent example, if you wanted to make a movie about about 9-11, you make it about the first responders and the heroes that um, that took back mm-hmm. United 93. Um, you, you make it about them. You don't make a movie um, where the protagonists, whether we're rooting for them or not, you don't make a movie where the main characters are the, um, the bad, are, are the bad guys uh, and make them like, Gosh, it's, it really seems weird I'm saying all this because I love Goodfellas. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get off my soapbox now. And uh, no, that's okay. That was really good. That was a really good conversation. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's just the content, uh, the subject matter, just doesn't seem right. Yeah, I, I completely, I can, I can totally see that. Uh, well, um, do you have any other thoughts before? I, I don't, I feel like I've taken up most of that. Do you have no, any other thoughts? No, no, I pretty much said what I <laughs> wanted to see. No, and I really liked hearing your input about, you know, especially for what you do, because sometimes I, 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 you know, grow up in a Christian Catholic household, and sometimes I forget, you know, you know, there's more than to just that, seeing it through a religious lens. And you, since you are, you know, a minister, it's like really interesting to hear your thoughts about it too. So here's the, here's the thing that drives me up a wall. There will be people that this is their only exposure to Christianity in the last 20 years. Yeah, I can see that. This in spotlight. Mm-hmm. Or um, what is it? There's another film that does it too. Doubt? I can't eat, probably doubt. I know there's, you know, mo- many more. I feel like that expose. Primal know, fear. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love Primal Fear, though. <laughs> and I think all these movies are pretty terrific, at least the ones I've seen. And look, there will be people you know, there that have seen Hacks or But, like, this will be, inevitably, somebody's only exposure to Christianity in years. And it it's this. And it's like... Yeah. Drives me up a wall. Anyway, um, that's that's just me. Uh, we'll move on to, to, to Cry Macho. This is a new Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, this will be streaming on HBO Max and in theaters uh, this Friday, uh, whatever date that is. That would be the 17th. It's the 17th. Um, so we'll be talking. Uh, so uh, in theaters and on HBO Max for 30 days. 
Um, not really much to say about it other than it's the new, or like to re- recognize it other than to say it's the new Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kristen, what about this one? Same scale. Um, opening weekend, discount night, rent at home, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you just not interested in watching it? Um, I think I'm fairly interested in it. I do love a good old-fashioned uh, Clint Eastwood Western, and it just, you know, if I can, I you know, I would pay a you know, all the money in the world to go watch movies all the time. But, you know, I would pay to go see this probably for a matinee. I probably won't catch it this weekend, but um, there's a f- different film that's going to also catch my eye this weekend, but uh, which we didn't get to talk about. But um, yeah, go ahead and mention it because I just oh, I typically pick the hot one or the, the ones oh, that are going to be talked um, about most. The one that really catched my interest was the one that was at Cannes and it's directed by Justin Chan and it's, um, it's called Blue Bayou. Oh, yeah, I've heard of this one, yeah. Yeah, it looks really, really good, and I know it's got it's got an okay score on Rotten Tomatoes, but it looks like a beautiful film, mm-hmm. so I'm really excited about that one between this one, and I know we just talked about Tammy Faye. I'm really excited about both of those films, but uh, Crying Macho looks pretty different for Clint Eastwood in, in terms of the subject matter and what it explores, but yes, it explores, you know, a hero, you know, a good old-fashioned Western hero, you know, you know, with the back, you know, with the, its backstory of, you know, wanting to redeem himself. You know, he hasn't done the skills that he's done in a while. And you can see that through the trailer. And you pretty much know what you're going to get when you watch a Clint Eastwood movie, especially a Western at, the, at this point. So yes. I think just seeing this goes back to its old roots. I think any fan of Clint Eastwood is really going to enjoy this. And um, I, I might check it out. So. Okay. I am firmly... In the never watch this movie category. Really? What makes you say why, why never? All right. So here's the thing. I don't like westerns. Um, oh, you're not a western person. No, okay, not that's at all. Okay. Um, now I love True Grit. I love Three Tender Yuma. I love Logan. Um, I like modern oh, westerns that are oh, really? made by modern filmmakers that are making older movie or movies that feel like what Western should have always been. Uh, can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, you yeah. mentioned Logan. Have you ever seen Shane? Um, I don't think so. That's a film I would recommend. If you liked Logan, then you might want to watch Shane. That's a film that uh, is often recognized as having the similarities to it. So I would watch that film. Okay. It's an, it is an older Western. I know it's that, but there's a lot of inspiration from that film. I'll probably check it out at some point. Um but like, all right. So here's the thing. Um, I'm just gonna like briefly go through uh, like um, Clint Eastwood's like filmography. So um, let's see. Uh, Fistful of Dollars, Few Dollar More. He really gets on the scene. Uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, he does uh, The Witches, Hang on High, um, Dirty Harry. I know I'm skipping over a lot here, but I'm like these are like the big, the best, big and the best ones usually. Yeah. So. Es- Escape from Alcatraz, Pale Rider, Heartbreak Ridge. He, st- he starts directing right about here, you know, in the mid '80s as well. Uh, we get to Unforgiven. Uh, most of these movies I haven't seen yet. Um, I've seen The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. I think that's the old one so far, and I thought it was okay. Um, then we get to um, uh, Unforgiven, a movie that is critically lauded that I hate. Uh, because it's just another run-of-the-mill western. Um, okay. He uh, he he does in the line of fire, which I think is a really good movie, but it's not not a western. It's a modern thriller. Uh, he's in Million Dollar Baby, which admittedly I haven't seen. 
That's a good um, one. But I, I, I've heard is good. I've also heard is a little overrated. I can see that too, being a little overrated. I remember it when I was a kid, just seeing all the posters for it and just being like, oh, this is the movie of the year. It won the Oscar. Yeah. Uh, he does Gran Torino, which is my favorite film that he's ever That's done. That's a great film. I love um, that film. Love, love that. And then he does Trouble with the Curve um, and, the, and the Mule before this. And I haven't seen either of those, but no way you're going to get me watching I remember that. Trouble with the curve i don't remember if i actually watched it or not i don't i remember the cast but you know sometimes i hate when that happens when the film has a great cast but then you don't remember it Mm -hmm. as a whole that's what really bugs me and i don't really remember really enjoying or even watching it well and then you get to his directing side of the career so i mentioned some of the ones he already did uh some of the ones that he did but he didn't act in were space cowboys which that should tell you that uh mr river which is an incredible film uh and then he does the back-to-back flags of our fathers Mm-hmm. Um, and he does Jay Edgar and Jersey Boys, both of which should have been much better movies than they actually were. Yeah, they should have been better, especially um, Jay Edgar. And then he does American Sniper, a movie that I, love I American hated. Um, really? I think it's the biggest piece of propaganda I've ever seen. I have nothing but respect for the story. Um, okay. But Clint Eastwood was not the choice to direct that movie. Um, okay. So there's that. Um, he does uh, Sully. Um, which, yeah, I saw Sully and thought that was okay. I haven't, I didn't see it. Um, but I don't know. He does 1517 to Paris, which is just crapped on at this point. He does The Mule, which I don't know anybody that likes. And he does Richard Jewell, which is a fine film. Um, I, yeah, I thought Richard Jewell was fine. So there's only two films he directed that I love, and it's Gran Torino and Mr. Griver. Okay. Um, and I just. This looks this looks like The Mule, which I was not interested in seeing that movie at all, too. This looks to like every movie. other Clint Eastwood's an old man western. I think he's really exploring his old territories, especially I feel like there's such a dramatic change going right now <laughs> in Hollywood and what people want to see in storytelling. And I feel like it's very political at times and sometimes... Uh, People wanted to cancel Clint Eastwood, so I think people there's an audience where people want to see the old fashioned western. Mm-hmm. So I think this is him going back to his old roots and making it for a more modern audience feel where he can be the star himself. So, well, and he's earned the reputation, uh, um, oh, in Hollywood that he can do whatever he wants and it's okay, like, like, yeah. it, not in terms of like character quality. I'm saying. He has earned a career in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not necessarily trying to say he should stop working. I'm just saying no movie he makes is going to get me interested. And the movies he makes, I don't know Americans are enjoying anymore. Or, like, the people the world are enjoying anymore. You know, like... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know anybody that thought that The Mule was good. Um, I I feel like... People like Sully... And uh, and people and everybody was like, yeah, Richard Jewell is a totally fine movie. It's not good. Yeah. It's not bad. When I w- I will say this, um, I I have older parents and mm-hmm. they're in their sixties and um, they really liked R- Richard Jewell and I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. They really liked it a lot. My dad actually saw the Mule on a plane when we were coming back from a vacation. This is right before COVID, and um, he liked the Mule and. There was other stuff that I, over the years, I feel like he watched more of that was Clint Eastwood's that, you know, I may not have enjoyed as much, but he enjoyed. Like, I like Gran Torino. I, I love The Good, Bad, The Ugly. And, you know, there's a lot of good films that he has. But I feel like if you're going to take, like, a 15-year-old to see Cry Macho, I don't think he's going to love it as much as maybe his 40-year-old dad. Yeah. So I feel like there's 
a disconnect nowadays with his audience and what he wants to tell with the story. But there's nothing wrong with he wants what he wants to tell with the story. No, it's like not said, marketed to that generation. It's obviously marketed towards its older generation to get people. You know, if we're not talking like you know imaginary, if we had all the money in the world, you'll see it. It's. I feel like if it's HBO Max advertising it, they're going to advertise it to for people to you know stay home and stream Cry Macho on HBO Max. So like I I totally like he has earned the right to make whatever movie he wants and and like people are going to see it because his name is attached to it. Oh yeah. But I, I just I don't know. I think a lot of his premises interest me. I think American Sniper should have been an incredible film because it's about an incredible person and an incredible oh, yeah, story. Definitely. I just didn't like, I thought Clint Eastwood was the problem with that movie and it was a big problem. Um, Did you I, like the baby more in that movie? <laughs> the fake, <laughs> the the fake baby. Did you enjoy the fake baby more? <laughs> uh, so, but like uh, uh, with, um, like, I like I love Gran Torino and I think that's great, but he didn't write Gran Torino. So it's because he got an incredible script. Uh, yeah. Same with Million Dollar Baby. Uh, Mystic River is based off a Dennis Lehane novel, and he's gosh, I, I don't, I haven't actually read anything by him, but if Gone Baby Gone and Mystic River is any sign, then he's maybe my favorite author of all time. <laughs> uh, so, or at least in terms of like storytelling, like crime stories, like gosh, he, I, no part of me is interested in seeing Crime Macho because it just looks like he's replaying the hits, and that's fine if that's where he is in his career. But that means I'm not even going to take an interest in watching any of them. Um, so. I am not the person to ask, are you excited to see this movie? Um, because already I don't like Westerns, but um, I'm I'm also just not interested in seeing the same thing that I've seen 30 times over. And like, right. I'm a big, you could call me a Marvel fanboy and people will be like, oh, well, you'll see the same thing over 20 times. It's like, but I'm not because they're, these are literally, I have a feeling at this point for Clint Eastwood to direct a movie, like there is a script outline. And then you just change a character's name and you change a small subplot. Like these are all the same, especially the character when he stars in them. These, these are the ones that I'm least interested in because he's playing the same character every time. And he, and honestly, he has been since the start of his career. Um, you know, he's, he's played dirty Harry, his whole career or, or he, not dirty Harry. He's played, um, the fistful of dollars, a few dollars more good, bad, good. He's played that guy, his whole career. Mm-hmm. And he's made a hell of a career out of it. And like, good yeah, for him. Good it's for a successful him. career, honestly, given how much he's done and accomplished over his career. Yes. Thing, yeah. And the fact that he made the transition to director too, and, you know, is a best picture winning director too. Uh, maybe, twice over maybe? I know Unforgiven won. Did Million Dollar Baby win? A Million Dollar Baby won best picture. I don't remember if it won best director. Well, but but I'm saying I he directed. Remember. Because Unforgiven was one best picture as well, so yeah. So he has yeah, directed. So he's two directed two um, best picture winners. Best picture movies. Yeah. Did the Good, the Bad, the Ugly win? I have no idea. One. We talked about two. it on a Goats episode, so I, I looked it up at some point. I don't. Know. Um, I'm sure, I could have sworn maybe I have, but anyway, I I don't I, I don't care about it. this movie, <laughs> um, but I, that that shouldn't shock anybody listening. So. Um. Yeah. Not. Not really excited about much in theaters this week. Blue Bio should be. Should be fine. But should be interesting. I'm kind of excited for that one. But. Uh, but the real. The I'm real star of this Friday is uh, the new episode of Ted Lasso. So. Yes, um, Ted Lasso. Do Do you have any more things about Cry Macho? Or are you ready to just move on to the topic? No, we can move right into the topic. Great. Well, um, before we get into Ted Lasso, um. <laughs> 
uh, I got to ask you uh, what subscriptions uh, services you have, just so we kind of get an idea of the pool of what you're pulling from. Okay, this is a good conversation to have because I feel like I need to cancel one because I feel like I can't afford all of them anymore. <laughs> Same. Yeah, um, Paramount Plus is for sure going soon. I just, I, I paid for the year because when they transferred over to Paramount Plus, I was like, sure, $50 for a yeah. year, why not? I'm, I'm going to, my well, I don't pay for it. My sister pays for it. She's like, you can borrow it. Like I stare back and forth with it because I do kind of pay for it sometimes. Though. So we're sisters. We're fine. So we're yeah. blood. She watches at the same time I do. <laughs> she doesn't watch it any other time, but except with me. So, which is good. But, uh, so Paramount Plus I have, I have Netflix, of course. I feel like the Netflix is the one everybody's going to have in their collection for the rest of their lives. It'd like, be the first, like, it'd be the, one of the first ones to go for me. Really? Yeah. Uh, I have Hulu. I, and then I have HBO Max. I think I have Showtime. <laughs> I think, but I never watch it. <laughs> well, it's also hard to know because, like, you pay for Showtime with a cable package or standalone or as a yeah, Hulu add-on or as a Prime yeah, add-on. I think it's a Hulu add-on. But here's the other thing. Like, this is what bugs me with the add-ons and yeah. subscription stuff. Um I have a Hulu account, but with my cable package, I can't watch the live TV because with my cable package and the premium subscription I'm paying for, I don't get FX anymore. So one of the shows I really want to watch is American Crime Story with Mm -hmm. impeachment. And I can't because I don't have it. They have locked that show on Hulu. So you can't even watch it. Wait, what? Yeah, I swear to God. Because you have cable? Yeah, and uh, one of like I have Verizon files, and I guess it's linked with terms of tiers you have. So um, one of the channels I don't get anymore for the last year is FX. But you know, FX is like I can get all the shows except American Crime. I don't know why, which is a very mysterious thing. I can get it, but I I have Hulu Live TV. I don't have TV. That's probably why I wonder. So I'm gonna have to wait. Which is you fine. Should, but you should be able to, pretty much anything that comes on FX is on I is know, because I've seen, day. like, Reservoir Dogs. Like, I haven't watched that series yet, but, uh... Reservation like, Dogs. You know, Reservation Dogs. Well, but that's a Hulu original. That's not FX on... Because they show it on FX, too. Oh, okay. All right, I'm wrong. So, um... What was I going to say? Um, you know, I've seen, like, I watch American Horror Story on there. You know, the next day it comes up, and, um... I watched, uh, A Teacher on there... So, and I've seen like, you know, other FX shows, but not like, they're not giving me any access to that. So that's like a big question up in the air. So for me, like, why can't I watch it? But, you know, it's just because of my streaming package, but pretty much, oh, and then I have Apple TV, which I'm really, really enjoying a lot. I really, once I got my Roku stick and I realized I got Apple I feel like that has really great content on there. I'll tell you what, Apple TV Plus is sneaking into the game strong because remember when they announced it and everybody was like, nobody's going to buy this because there's already paying for everything. And then they come out with The Morning Show and Ted Lasso and Servant mm-hmm. and that Jason Momoa show that nobody knew existed until season See? two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I'm not trying to say necessarily any of those shows are good or not. I've only ever seen Ted Lasso. Um, but yo, and then that new A24 Joseph Gordon-Levitt show, Mr. Corman coming out, like, um, and, and recently just released, uh, Come From Away. Um, uh, yeah. And then they had the, um, Defending Jacob with, uh, Chris Evans. 
Tell you what, they're they're getting like they're getting sneaky good. Sneaky great guys. Boy State Wolf Walkers. We I mentioned yet. Like, and they had released um, the I guess Sofia that, Coppola film. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they also did release Cherry, which is uh, by far the worst movie of the year. Oh, you think so? I hate Cherry. I think it's a, an atrocious film. Um, it's not the worst film for Tom Holland I've seen this year. It's Chaos Walking through me. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that garbage. Um, no, it was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, um, uh, I mean, Apple TV. And here's the thing: I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't speak so highly of it if it wasn't five bucks a month, but. Five bucks a month is That's nothing. the best. And they just released Coda, too. And that Coda is so good. So good. I was crying my eyes out. Yeah, it's my favorite movie of the year so far. So, and then they had the Billie Eilish documentary, which is also which really incredible. good. Which was incredible. It was so good. I loved that, too. Yeah. So, yeah Apple's got really, really good. And for $5.99, my dad, you know, uh, my dad and I pay for it together. I think it's just like, five. I think it's for, that's like, you know, that's like a no brainer for yeah. five bucks a month. And I would pay $5 a month for the rest of my life just to watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like anybody would. I love, love Ted Lasso. I think that's one of my favorite shows right, right now. All right. Well, let's talk about it. Why is Ted Lasso the best show on TV? Cause it is. I think it's just because of the presence of who is and who the character is. Ted Lasso. There's just something but here's warm the interesting and thing. welcoming about him. But here's the interesting thing. Ted Lasso has become a show that is an ensemble piece, which started off as, it started off as this Jason Sudeikis guy is incredible. I mean, we already knew who he was, but like, he was the guy from like, he was SNL. the inappropriate guy from Horrible Bosses. And he was the guy that was never really great on SNL. And he was the guy that was in Hall Pass. Then he, and and then oh, Ted Lasso is just, Hall Pass. He's just oh, so gosh. stinking good as Ted Lasso. But the show has evolved somehow. Somehow, I am. I'm not more invested in the story, but I am more invested in the character and seeing more of Roy Kent than I am of Ted Lasso because I just love Roy now. And when you saw him in the I pilot, I was too. like, I don't care about this guy. He's gonna be, you know grumpy angry dude and he's become so much more and i love seeing keely and uh um the owner just kind of their relationship gosh this and and higgins has become such a great character and higgins i love higgins and coach beard is sneakily the funniest part of the show Uh, okay so heads up for anybody who may not know this um the guy who plays uh roy kent his name is brett gold goldstein and he actually has a movie podcast i need to listen to this and he had so many people on there, like, you know, Miranda Cosgrove, of all people, from iCarly. Okay. And then he also had Edgar Wright. What the crap? And it's an, it's like a movie, and it's a movie podcast. And I just recently discovered this a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, where was this podcast? And, well, because he, and, he, and I love his voice, too. He, like, and he talks so naturally. It's it's so great. Well, and, and the relationship that he has with his niece, Phoebe, is... I love Phoebe. She's like... like I am more invested in Ted's story because I'm so invested in when is Ted finally going to break down and cry? And like, by the way, we're talking about the, the, the last episode that aired was um, the replay against Man City, right? Yes. No, no, there's been one no. more. Um, there's been one more. It was, uh, they go to play Wembley. Yeah, that, that, that was the one. Because I don't want to give up big, like, big story arcs. Um, 
And I, and I feel like uh, this episode will release not quite a week after the last episode came out. So I don't want to, like, spoil it. Um, so, don't, so don't worry about if you haven't seen this week's episode of Ted Lasso. Do you but, eat biscuits when you watch Ted Lasso? <laughs> uh, no, but Babish has a, a recipe to, to make. I saw that. <laughs> I'm going to do it one week. Um, anyway, I, I, I think I, I am so invested in where his story is going to go. Um, and, and what his counseling sessions is inevitably going to look like. Um, and I'm so invested in finding out more about this character, character, but I'm having so much fun with Roy and Keely and Phoebe. Um, and I just did not ever think I would say that. And like they humanize Jamie in a way. And like, it's always little by little, but there's a scene with Jamie and his dad in this episode. And it is maybe, it, it was maybe the best part, the best thing the show has ever done. You Until, really got to see that side. And then, and then, Ted calls the therapist. Yeah. And that is the best thing we've seen in this show. I think um, it's, it's, that show has And then there's an ending that is, oh. I, 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 I'm excited for what's going to come for this coming week. So I, I just look forward to that show every week. I think it's the highlight of my day, honestly, because mm-hmm. just the presence of that show and how it's, all put together, it's just a really, really well done show, and I can't get enough of it. I think it's great. And this show is does, does my favorite thing. So my favorite thirty minute show of all time is Scrubs, and okay. created by Bill Lawrence, who is one of the creators of Ted Lasso. Okay. And the best parts of Scrubs are in Ted Lasso. So if you like Ted Lasso, you should also like Scrubs, um, and because the best parts are there, and the one of the best things that that. Um, that Ted Lasso does is subversion, which is absolutely the best thing that Scrubs did is when you think, you know, where an episode or an arc is going and then it changes mm-hmm. where, where you have episodes where, all right. So season one's been out for a while now where we could talk about it, where mm-hmm. at the end of episode one, you find out that Ted is having problems in his marriage and you're like, this guy's going to fight it out. He's going to be good. He's going to learn some things while he's over here. He's going to go back to his wife and they're going to love. And they get divorced like four episodes in. And it's the most heartbreaking thing you've ever seen in your life. Because when Ted Lasso cries, everybody cries. Oh, definitely. And and it gets to the and like, you, you just don't expect that to happen. And for that to happen you so quickly. You don't get the unexpected with the expected of what is Ted Lasso. Especially towards the finale. Um, you know, you think... You know, I'm going to spoil. I feel like this might be something major. I don't know if it is. I guess I can talk uh, about Anything it. before the last episode, we're good. Okay, so like when they had the tie game at the end of the season. Yes. For season one. Yes. You weren't expecting that and, at all. And Ted to leave Jamie the message and leave him a toy soldier. Yeah. Which is... exactly it. And gosh dang, if the dart scene from season one is not the best scene of television. <laughs> Uh, gosh, um, oof. I love so the show so much. And, and the show does this thing too. Um, this is, this is okay to spoil too, because, uh, if you haven't seen season two, gosh, uh, you're in for a treat, but you're uh, really I, missing my, out. my rule is one week removed. You, you should be able to talk freely about something. Okay. Um, so, so I just, I'm not going to say anything from this last episode, but we, we learned before then there's this really great subversion that happens with the banter app. Where you yes! see, right? Where you see the owner on banter and talking, and you to freak somebody. out, and they, well, I and was they freaking out, and they frequently pair, um, transitioning her on the phone to Ted on the phone, and I knew better than that because I was like, this show is not going in that direction, no, because 
this is not that kind of show. This is this was not made in the nineties, you know, when Seinfeld and Friends were yeah, Ross and Rachel are always gonna end up together. No, no, no. And it's just so delightful when that reveal happens. Um and how it's all mapped out in that last episode. It's yeah, just and, like And look, it's it's not a spoiler because we knew it was happening at some point. But when that when that when that meeting finally comes in this episode, it is so rewarding. Yeah. Um, it gosh. makes you feel happy in a way. And it's just like, yes. you know, despite, you know, how given their, I don't know if I should say it, but it makes you feel good how the bond is. Yes. Yes, it is. It is so good. And and seeing, uh, seeing the ways that like, Coach Beard and Nate have have grown this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to see this next episode, kind of what happens with Coach Beard. Yeah, me um, too. It left me for a hook, and I'm just like, oh no, this I don't know if it's going to be good or a bad thing. Well, and and not only that, but season two removes a couple characters, um, no, no one major, uh, and then brings in. Well, I mean, they remove Jamie, but he's already been removed halfway through season one um, because we still follow Roy, even though he's not a footballer anymore. Um, but like. We get, um, like, the addition of the sports psychologist, and I just thought, like, I don't know that I care about new characters being added because I just want to spend more time with Sam, and I want to spend more time with Coach Beard. And, you know, we, we're already getting a lot of Ted Lasso and Roy Kent and Keeley, the owner and all that. Um, I'm blanking on her name. Um, I know it's Hannah Waddingham is the actress. Um, yeah, I can't even think of the name right now. Anyway, um, uh, but, like, you get... Uh, um, like, I, I, like, I'm just like, I want to spend more time with like Danny Rojas and I want to spend more time with, um, I love Rojas. <laughs> who, who's the, what's the new captain, his name, Isaac? Yeah. 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 Isaac. Cause he just did the, uh, haircut. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was great. The hair, the bro haircut. I never seen so much testosterone in that room for a haircut. <laughs> and like, I want to spend more time with Colin and I want to spend more time with, yeah, with, with Nate too. Like, and it's just like, I don't want you to all of a and sudden And with Higgins. This. I love with Higgins. Higgins. Yes, I don't, I don't really H- want Higgins you to. Higgins and his family. Higgins and his family. Higgins you have family, to admit yes. that that Christmas episode, when you see the Higgins family, it's so cute. It's crazy. I love it. It's crazy how Ted Lasso turned essentially Jerry Gergich from Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> And did the whole arc in like one season to where he was kind of a peon at the beginning. And then all of a sudden he just like has this warm, loving, sweet, charming family. And, you know, everybody's surprised at how nice of a life he has and all that. It shouldn't be surprising. Anyway, um, but like all of a sudden you introduce the sports psychologist. I'm like, I just I don't want more new character. But then she becomes such a beloved character. And you're like, gosh, I'm really, I'm really excited with the way that she has impacted these people that we love. I, mm-hmm. this is the best show on TV. It is, um, and I'm so excited that uh, um, that there are more episodes this season. Although the wait between episodes is killing me. I know, but I like having it to wait because then it brings me back each week. I do have to admit, I like that a lot. There are. Um, there's eight um, at the moment right now episodes i believe okay uh yes i think that's right and they're gonna be 12 um mm-hmm. so there is um there's uh there are certain shows that i think benefit greatly from being weak uh yeah. Man- mandalorian is a great a- example stranger things would be a great example uh if mm-hmm. it were released week to week um uh, the boys I think-, I think is another good one yeah the boys is a good example of that um and I think Ted Lasso benefits from it because precisely 
we we need time to process and we need every single time an episode ends i want to go back and rewatch all of season two every single time mm-hmm. um and it would be nice that i have the time that i would have the time for that but something like the mighty ducks game changers on disney plus has no reason to be episodic weekly um, that's like the same thing about uh turner and hooch i feel like all the episodes could yeah, have released a that. lot of the i mean a lot of the disney plus ones any of the like comedy ones but because tad lasso is just as much a drama as it is a comedy um okay uh that, that's it ted lasso is the best show on tv <laughs> um well what, what, what else are you watching i'm only i'm watching only murders in the building yeah, that's on my um, new movies that are uh, new shows that are added to my queue that I haven't seen yet. That show is incredibly funny. I'm amazed how much I'm really enjoying it. It's like the old classic Who Done It, but with Steve Martin and um, Martin Short oof, and Selena Short. Gomez. And I'm just like, I was so excited for this because I'm a huge Selena Gomez fan. So knowing that she, I was like, <laughs> really? I grew up. Okay. I grew up in the Wizards of Waverly Place era. Oh, thank goodness! I've seen. I've seen. I'm her only twenty six. How old do I look? Oh no, because I, I was worried. That, like I get like I didn't want to get fun of. Oh, we're both the same age then. That's so funny. Okay, but anyways, I grew up like loving Selena Gomez. Like you know, seeing her in concert, love her music, love everything that she does. I don't care for her music, but that's fine. <laughs> but um. No, I was so excited for her to get tapped on for people to for her to work with with Martin Short and Steve Martin, and I thought it was just really really clever. And she just adds a sense of charm to them, and I love her character, and I really like what they're doing with the series. I don't really want to spoil it too much for you and everybody who is listening because it, we're just about to get episode five tomorrow. So there's plenty of time for you for anybody to get interested if they really want to get on the hype train now. So. Nice. Yeah, uh, this is one of two shows that I have that are like additions to my queue um, that I just haven't seen. Only Murders in the Building and the new season of American Crime Story. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited to see that one. And I hear season four is supposed to be about the response to Hurricane Katrina, and I'm for sure down for for American Crime Story. Yeah, yeah, that that would be really cool to explore be- because they announced. Um, I think this. I think this impeachment one was supposed to come out before the assassination of uh, Versace. Yeah. Um. And but but they announced seasons two, three, and four all together, like what the theme. But mm-hmm. I think I think this one was supposed to come out before season two. Um. Which season do you like better? Do you like Versace or I haven't OJ? seen Versace. Versace was pretty good. The performances weren't very good. The story was, I don't think, as was as strong as uh, OJ was. I um, I haven't seen Versace. I'm really interested in seeing it. Um, it's just not an addition to my queue. It's been on my queue. Um, but that first season is some of the most remarkable television I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Um, and specifically, Sterling K. Brown had a hell of a year because that was the first season of This Is Us. And maybe the best acting I've ever seen in TV is him in that pilot episode. Oh yeah. Um, and and, and combine that with him playing Chris Darden in American crime story is maybe the best year an actor's ever had. Yeah. Honestly, he's had a remarkable career. Honestly, if you look at his track record from the, starting in this is us and then pretty much now I I'm pretty sure we're going to get him in a Marvel movie at some point because I feel like he's already, he's already in black Panther. He, Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, I forgot. Oh my gosh. 
I mean, he's he's a character that's a side character that's killed off pretty quickly. So, like, I think there's always a chance they bring him back as a villain. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. I haven't loved his movie stuff as much. You know, he's in The Predator and he... I know he's in the house of... Ho- no, Hotel Artemis. Yes, and that's a very... Meh. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Mad I, John Wick ripoff. Yeah, I know. I, I remember watching it and I was just like, oh, it's, okay. It's watchable, but it's not good. No, yeah. So, yeah, his movie career hasn't been great, but his performances in American Crime Story and This Is Us has solidified him in my top five favorite actors of all time. Um, anyway, um, let's see. I also uh, have been watching um, some of the other ones I've mentioned uh, was Wellington Par- Paranormal. We talked about that last month. Uh, have you seen okay. the show yet? No, I have not. All right. Uh, have you seen What We Do in the Shadows? Uh, it's been on my, that one is actually on my queue. Okay. Or, or like the, even the movie? Yeah. I've seen the movie, of course. Okay. So, um, this is also Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. Um, this, this originally aired in New Zealand and then is now finally getting their three seasons in They're now finally getting airing rights in the U S. Okay. Uh, so this is on HBO max. If you want to check it out. Um, it's, uh, it follows two cops in New Zealand kind of in this, what we do in the shadows universe. Um, and uh, in a mockumentary style. So these two people who are very much written and directed by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi following and encountering these weird supernatural elements. And so much of it feels like they're ripping off 80s B-horror movies. Um, okay. It, it very much feels like if The X-Files was in the same universe with Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, okay. Like they're not, it's not necessarily self-referential humor, but it's like of course you take that like what we do in the shadow style of humor and comedy and all that, but like they've kind of made it like an like a very much an X-Files Twilight Zone rip-off kind of thing. Not rip-off, but like homage. Okay. Uh it's great and it's hilarious and the leads are terrific. Uh you catch it on H- on HBO Max or on um, the CW. Um, Speaking of uh, really terrific. HBO Max, I'm finally watching uh, Succession. Uh, I haven't seen this one yet. It's on my queue. I know I need to get around to it. I'm impressed <coughs> from what I've seen. I because I got HBO very late. I I had well here's the thing. I had it when I was like had a premium subscription package. Then I then you know got canceled, and then I pretty much got it back probably just as when the Snyder Cut was coming out. So that's when I got it. So I didn't have it for the longest time. Never watched Game of Thrones or anything like that. So I fight. So I still need to watch Game of Thrones. I yeah, you should watch Watchmen and Chernobyl first. I did watch. I I do have Chernobyl on my watch list though. But uh, I did watch The Undoing recently, and I thought that was pretty good. I've heard enough bad things about it that I'm not interested. Oh really? I've I've yeah. heard the ending just completely fumbles the whole show. Yeah, the ending kind of fell flat for it. Yeah. It was just you know. Um, but I still have on my list Lovecraft Country. County? Yeah, that's one that I gave up halfway through. Oh, really? It's just not for me. Okay. And then what else do I have on my queue? I'm trying. Nothing I can really think of. Okay. But uh, I still have so much more to kept up on, though. But I'm well, really enjoying Succession. Okay. And uh, I, I haven't um, heard anybody that said anything less than that show's incredible. Yeah, it's really, really good. I'm very impressed. Um, what, oh, one other show I'm watching is nine perfect strangers on hulu okay and it's okay it's not bad yeah I, i've seen advertisements for this it's one. like the david e kelly show when yeah. it's like one of, under the big branch that he has and um i think it's okay, okay. you know it's, I, I don't think it's as great 
but uh, Nicole Kidman's okay in it. Sure. So. Uh, I mean, she's at least okay in almost everything. Yeah, I feel like everyone is okay in it, but it's definitely one of the best things that Melissa McCarthy has been in a while. Um, let's see. Uh, I you you mentioned it's on your queue. Um, I am watching the new season of What We Do in the Shadows, as well as Abby and I finished rewatching the first two seasons. Um, you're really missing out. This is an incredible show. Um, the leads are terrific. Um, all of them, everybody is is incredible, and they're some of the funniest things you will ever see. Um, such as like a difference from the TV series to uh, and, the, and the movie is the addition of energy vampires played brilliantly um, in uh, in the form of Colin Robinson, uh, which is a character that you will immediately um, think is is genius and clever and creative. And uh, gosh, um, it's so good. Uh, Guillermo, they're familiar, is uh, is such a treat, such a delight. Um, I love this show. I love the direction it's going. Um, Kristen Shaw has been given a pretty a recurring role this, this season. Um, there is so much talent in front of and behind the camera. Uh, this is this is truly one of the funniest shows on TV right now. How does it compare to Ted Lasso? Uh, it's not as funny or as like serious, uh, but it is easily just as watchable and bingeable. Okay, good. Um, it's just like, it, it, and it's a different kind of humor too, you know. Um, you know, there's mockumentary versus staged and all that. Um, very, very similar style to um, the the film, What We Do in the Shadows. Um, the other one I'll mention real quick is just uh, America's Got Talent because I'm a sucker. Oh, um, yeah. I've seen it, but it's not as strong, I don't think, this season. It's not. It's not. Um, and, no. and not only that, but America's making terrible choices. Um, like the fi- So the finals, we're recording this on Monday, this launch Wednesday. Uh, the finals result is the episode, is uh, when this is... Um, uh, published so the season will be over and there are 10 acts and i really like i think three of them and normally i really like most of them. uh mm-hmm. but there's a there's a comedian named josh blue who i think is really 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 funny um and there's a there's a world taekwondo dance crew that is sensational um those are the to me those are the two standouts I feel like since I like I couldn't get really hooked on it as I was like previous seasons, but the one reality show that I do watch that is coming back, I'm a sucker for this because I grew up with this show, but it's Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> I saw the trailer for that because I was watching a football game the other day on ABC, and uh, I didn't recognize a single person in the cast list. You don't recognize uh, JoJo Siwa? Oh. <laughs> uh. Um, I mean, the girl with the bow and dance moms. I, I guess I recognize it now, but that it, it was part of it was it, it all flashed quickly. And oh, yeah. like, they, I mean, they've had people like they had Carlton from Fresh Prince one season. It's like, yeah, and he won. Yeah. And, and they had like, they've had a lot of like recognizable names. It's like, oh, they're really scraping the bottle of the barrel now. Yeah. Uh, now they have like Olivia Jade, the one who was, uh, uh, the, uh, Aunt Becky's daughter participating. Oh yeah. 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 So that is just like somebody, as we were talking about people who shouldn't be giving a spotlight, you know, that's one person I don't think should get that opportunity. Yeah. But uh, there's a few other people that I know that are on this season. Oh, Martin Clough from Cobra Kai. I haven't seen Cobra Kai. You haven't seen Cobra Kai? It's how that's much a, That's this a great is... show. I, I love I, that show. I prefer movies over TV. and uh, Same. So I tend to go with the same thing too. And then there are seasons that I watch a lot of TV. Uh, and, and and then there are seasons that I will play a lot of video games. And right now I'm in a video game season. Yeah, that's good. 
Oh, do you know Brian Austin Green? That's I've heard a, of him. Yeah, he's is that the guy that was on like nine hundred two one zero? Yeah, yeah, okay. nine hundred two one zero. Yep. No, nope, that's he's the only on thing it. I know him from. Was he? He was the guy that was dating Megan Fox for the longest. Yeah, time. <laughs> pretty much. So um, I'll it's be easily his best accomplishment so far. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Not much um, for his acting either. I'm going to give two recommendations. I think the best thing about when you like know a friend that watches America's Got Talent is they could just tell you the, the things to watch. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to give you two videos you should check out because they're hilarious. Check out um, this peak the Peacock. Just search America's Got Talent Peacock. It's the funniest two minutes you'll ever see, uh, okay. like on YouTube. And check out Johnny Showcase's audition. He he made it to the live show and it was atrocious, but Johnny Showcase's audition was my favorite this year. Um, it's incredible. So. Uh, Really funny stuff. I really want to hit the gold buzzer one day. I just want to see it go off and just nobody there on the stage. I just want to hit it and just see all the confetti go up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Other The only other, like, uh, well, I guess there's a couple here. Uh, I'm also watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. This one has a couple season, a couple episodes out. It's not quite finished with this new season. Are you, a, are you a Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan? Not really. I didn't really watch anything of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I tried to get into it when it first came out, and it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. So. I like. I understand that. Like, there are definitely like shows that aren't for everybody. Uh, it's a. I. It's one of my favorite shows. I think it's great. This season is. Um, uh, it's good. Um, it's just almost like they took extra time to make this one and to be delicate with it, especially with all the recent things that have happened in the last year and a half with police. Um, so they've kind of taken a little bit extra um, care and delicacy and trying to actually say something with the show, um, which they have done for like one episode a season. Uh, but I appreciate that they're that they're doing it. Um, I appreciate that they're try- taking the time to have hard questions and hard conversations. Um, so it just feels a little bit in my face sometimes, and uh, uh, especially the pilot. But I get like part of part of it was we want to just be really in your face. Um, we want to have characters that are those people that you know, like one of the characters, um, Boyle, who's he's just known for being over the top and having no boundaries and all that, becomes like the biggest advocate for black people like in the world and like even like tries to out black Terry Crews in the show. Um, And it's, it's a lot, it's a lot a bit much, but it's kind of the point. Um, So it's, it's a little bit less funny than usual, but it's, it's, it's saying something. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, the show's got to stick the landing. Uh, And if it does, then it'll be, it'll go down in my top probably five um, favorite comedies of all time. That's cool. Yeah, maybe I will watch it. I, I mean, it's fine. It's not for everybody. Uh, I mean, if if you like Parks and Rec, it's 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 uh it's a lot like that. That's like the, like the one thing I feel like because it's in that Parks and Rec category and Office vibe. It's that's what it it's is. shot it's like similarly, and it has a lot of SNL people, just like the other two do. But mm-hmm. The Office relies on cringe humor, and Brooklyn Nine Nine is just funny. Um, some cringe humor, but it's not not that not necessarily the uh, the the draw. Uh, my wife and I started watching Monsters at Work. Have you seen this? Monsters at Work. That's the Monsters, Inc. series. Mm-hmm. Correct. And no, I haven't seen it. I've heard some mixed and review things from talking to people, but I do really enjoy Monsters, Inc. I wasn't crazy about Monsters University, so I, that made me kind of hesitant to watch Monsters yeah. at Work. But are you enjoying it? It's good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's nowhere near the level of the original Monsters, Inc., uh, I'd probably put it about on tier with Monsters University, although I think I like Monsters University more than most. I think it's a good movie. Uh, it's not great. It's not top tier Pixar, but I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, this is good. It's 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 nowhere near as funny as the first as the Monsters movies, 
Uh, no, but, I think it lost the touch, I feel like, of what made the first one so good. But the animation is incredible, and I feel like, it kind of again, like I was talking about with Brooklyn, and I think the show is trying to say something. Um, and, uh, and, and gosh, uh, to be a kid uh, nowadays with all these great messages. Would... it's And the wide variety people, kids have now to nowadays is incre- is crazy, yeah. honestly. I think I think we're three episodes into Monsters Orc, and we're enjoying it. It's it's not like a full-throated go out and see it as soon as you possibly can, but it's like a, yeah, there's a lot worse you could do. And if you're in the mood for a 10-episode, relatively lighthearted, you know, Pixar series, then yeah, go for it's it. It's the same thing I can kind of say about Turner and Hooch. Kind of, because that's another another show I'm watching. Okay. Because I grew up with Josh Peck, so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it. And I'm a like I'm a sucker for anything dogs in it, so I wanted to watch it because of Hooch. So um, very lighthearted, simple for families to watch. It's not over the head, you know, complicated. It's just yeah, yeah. enough for kids and for families to enjoy. So like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, this is a show that I'm I'm just it's it's not necessarily my wheelhouse. But if I hear somebody say it's really good, then I, I might give it a check out. But you're the only person I know that's seen the show. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I've talked to one other person who's actually like watching it. But otherwise, nobody I know is watching it. Yeah. it that's how I felt when I was watching the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Like, I'm like, I'm like the only one out here. And like the show was getting good every episode. Anyway. There was somebody it, it, I was except watching that on was YouTube a good for show. a while who was doing like weekly recaps of it. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have three more things. I'm going to save one of them though. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about this. I've been watching, my wife's been like adapting to a new schedule. And so she goes, she goes to bed at 10 o'clock at night now. And I go to bed at like one or two, which means I get a lot of free time. And so I've been, and this is the perfect time to do it. Um, I've just been watching a lot of Archer. Um, okay. This is my third time through Archer. And I don't mean third time finishing it. I mean, third time trying to start it. Oh, I haven't watched Archer. I was too young when it came out and yeah. um, just never really had an interest for it. So I was interested in it because FX was making some of the best stuff ever um, right. when that came out. And I was like, sure. Uh, and I watched it and it came out like 2012 or so, maybe 11. Uh, so I'd have been like 16, 17. And the jokes were going over my head. Um, I wasn't quite clever enough to get why the show was one of the funniest on TV. Uh, and I thought that the sex and nudity was a little bit too much. And also like I was still living at home cause I was a high schooler and I was like, this isn't a show that I feel like I can super watch. And especially like if, you know, somebody walks in, they're going to be like, what the hell are you watching? And I'll be like, oh, I, just, I just don't, it's not worth it for me to try to explain. So I, I watched like three or four episodes and, and kind of gave up. And then I tried again in college after they were like three or four seasons in. And, um, um, I liked it a little bit more, but still just. Not quite enough for me to ever get past that three or four episode barrier. Um, and uh, I, But I just keep hearing good things about it. And I know the show gets better as it progresses. And I I got to say, I don't know what I why I really didn't like it. Like, I never like, hated it because obviously I gave it another shot. Um, right. But like, I'm really liking it. I think it's How's really Archer clever. as a whole? Is he a really good character on it? Um... Because that's what they're really selling off is Archer himself. Every time I see a promotional thing, are 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 you asking is he likable or is he funny? Uh, you could put it in both to say is he likable enough and funny enough. All right, I would equate him to be like he belongs in the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia cast. I could see that. Okay, because like he's hysterical, um, and I and I mean that in both definitions of the word. He is hilarious and 
hysterical, <laughs> uh, way over the top about everything. Um, but he is not somebody you really want to succeed at the end. Like he is because it's a cartoon and because it's all, everything is so hyper realized and there aren't necessarily any stakes to anything. Um, but he's not somebody, if he was a real life person, you would not really want him to, to get it, you know, to quote unquote, get away with any, um, right. this show's just, just fun, um, and funny. And, uh, I'm really enjoying my time with it. I'm in, I'm like near the end of season two. So, okay. um, yeah, but just be prepared. It's, in some ways meant for a middle schooler and in some ways meant for, you know, that's how I feel like South Park is with when I see Archer. Yes. Yes. In some ways it's meant for middle schoolers and in some ways it's meant for adults. Yeah. Adults. Uh, for sure. Um, I'll do one more, uh, one more here. Um, I watched nine 11 one day in America. This is a six part documentary series on who. Oh, that's yeah. I heard about that. Did you like it? It's from national geographic. It is, um, it is the best docu-series I've ever seen. Really? Um, it is probably the best documentary I've ever seen, too. Um, wow. Now, I, and, I, and I've seen quite a few, but I haven't seen, you know, every single one under the sun. Especially that explores the 9-11 story. Here's, here's what's so good about it. Um, it's six episodes. Five of them are 45 minutes. One of them is an hour and 15 minutes. Um, here's what's so good about it is it's made by National Geographic, and you can tell... That, the, that what they wanted to do when they made this was to tell the account of what happened exclusively through the stories of the survivors. Wow. So there is not once in the series, um, you never once hear an interviewer prompt a question and you never once hear, um, you never once hear a narrator narrate over this event happened. They literally will show you the timestamp and then you will be hearing a survivor of 9-11 be talking about what's going on from their perspective and as the as it goes on i mean you're you're as old as i am you said so we were six when it happened Mm -hmm. um so i have memories but very vague and i i mean you grew up Mm -hmm. close to Mm-hmm. Um, to 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 where 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 it was close to New York. Uh, I grew up near Chicago, so um, it it does not. I, I did not necess- I did not understand what was going on. I did not understand the gravity of what was going on. No, I didn't either. I was like I said, same age as you. But uh, my dad, you know, was working in the city. So, yeah. but luckily enough, he wasn't you know near any of that stuff. He was further away, you know. But he got, I remember him, you know, he came home late Yeah. and, you know, but thank They're, God he survived. They, what's crazy is you look at this docuseries and now with 20 years hindsight, we know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that in the morning, one of the towers was struck by a plane. A, about 20 minutes later, another one is struck. We know at some point um, they both collapse, uh, kill lots of people. And we know at some point that there is uh, a hijacked plane that crashes in the Pentagon and a hijacked plane that. Um, heroes uh, go back and, um, and retake the plane, and um, that mean and weren't able to um, to safely uh, or to survive. Um, but they avoided anyway. I don't need to tell you the plot of United ninety three and the the stories of these heroes because they do a great enough job telling it because they pull in people and they share voicemails that people left um, and and there are so many moments where you'll hear stories of people. And it's bringing you to the brink of tears, and just the awe of of seeing these people work together um, is is just incredible. 
and uh, and really inspiring. And then you will just be like, gosh, I hope that person, I hope that person's name is etched in the history history books. Uh, this person that I've never heard of, like there's a story. Uh, gosh, I don't know if I want to say this. Um, all right. There are many examples of stories. There's one in particular I'm thinking of where somebody will mention what somebody, what this stranger did. Um, and they will be like, and I, I never saw them again. I don't know if they got out or if they survived or what happened. Yeah. And National Geographic collected so much footage and they'll show you like, we found this person. Okay. And well, and and you're just like, I'm so happy that person's here because the world is a better place because that person's, and Aww. it's like, it's, it's heartbreaking and heartwarming. And it's one of those things that I put on and me and my wife watched together and we just were silent uh, anytime, anytime it was on, except for frequent damn and dear God. And like moments of like, how on earth did this happen? And finally understanding the gravity of, of what went on. And, uh, um, it is, it is incredible. Like I said, because it tells the events through stories of, of first responders, of survivors, uh, that were in the building of, um, some reporters in some cases. Uh, I can't recommend this enough. It's so good. Wow. I'm going to have to tell my dad to watch it. I might even watch it myself now. Like I said, just be, pre- have a box of tissues ready. Um, be prepared to cry yeah. my eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe keep a paper bag so you can like, you know, that. yes. Um, it's so good. Uh, it's one of those things, even though I knew what was going to happen, I was still just, you can't take your eyes off the screen. It's so good. Um, anyway. Oh, and then of course I just want to acknowledge I'm watching, of course, what if, uh, I'm not yet. Um, okay. uh, how do you feel about it? Because I, I don't know anybody that loves or hates it. I think everybody's kind of middling on it that I know. I don't love it as much as everybody else does. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about some of the episodes. I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited to watch it. It was just when, when me and my watch wife finished, um, or what we do in the shadows watch. Um, I, I gave her the option. Do you want to watch monsters at work now? Which is completed. Um, at least it's season. And, uh, or do you want to start? What if, and she said, well, let's do monsters at work and we finish. We'll, we'll do what if. So not quite. Yeah. There. I don't think it's a series that, everybody's gonna love but it's it it makes me question about you know the multiverse a little bit more so for it but it's not as bad but i'm not loving it okay yeah so so you seem to be a kind of a lot where everybody i know is it's just like it's not bad it just should be excellent yeah it's nowhere as good as wandavision is or like loki is or the or like not nor the excitement now i feel like for hawkeye okay so um Cool. All right. Uh, so then let's move on a little bit. Uh, these, the rest of this kind of doesn't take as long. What are some shows that you kind of keep up with, but maybe aren't necessarily airing right now? Like This Is Us and Westworld are kind of the two big examples for, for me. Do you have any that are like, I, I just really love this show, even though it's not airing right now? Barry is one of them. Yeah, I love Barry too. Barry is one. I love Barry. The boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Euphoria was good. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to check out the next season. Yeah, I really like Euphoria. Um, well, Succession, you know, I'm watching it now. I think I'm really excited to see what's going to come from this season three because I'm really enjoying what um, I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And then what else? I guess uh, I enjoy, like, you know, the basic cable stuff, like 911. 
Oh, uh, my wife watches. I, I find that to be enjoyable sometimes. I was watching. It it looks better than it should be. Like, uh, it, yeah. it's still not something I'm not going to seek out, but it's it looks like it should be like typical sappy cop drama. Mm-hmm. And that's what it kind of is. It's really, but it's a good version really, of that. Yeah, honestly, uh, I was watching Big Sky. For Ooh, a little I've heard bit. good things. Yeah, Big Sky was pretty good, and. Um, uh, another David E. Kelly program. I was, it was really going strong for a really long time, and then I wasn't crazy how uh, it got to its m- mid-season premiere and how it followed a different story. And they actually brought on a guest star for starring in that season. Um, I don't know if you know Britt Robertson. Uh, maybe for Soft Face. I think if uh, she was in that one movie that was about the country, no, the uh, the. Uh, Catholic singer that I still believe she was in that. Oh yeah, yeah. And first time, so she took came on for a little for some time for the show. I don't think she's coming back, but the show is okay. I'm kind of curious to what they're going to explore this next season a little bit more because uh, the big scenario of what was happening and capturing this one guy who was capturing all these girls and you know he's been caught and now we're just at this point of like what's going to happen next. So I'm kind of curious and it's, and it's actually going to open more doors. So I, I don't know what's going to do, but I'm going to watch it still. Hopefully it's good. True. It's basic cable drama. So it's not like nothing like grotesque as like, you know, you would see on uh, HBO, HBO or, max or like a showtime or anything. Yeah. So, so, so what are some of those shows that's like, uh, you know, like uh, in your queue or like, what's your like TV list of shame? You already, you already told me that the wire is on that. And the wire. Yeah. That's a top five sure. show of all time. Um, trying to think. You said, I mean, you said game of Thrones, but I don't really game know like, Thrones? because it's, cause it end, doesn't really end good. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. My boyfriend complains to me. Don't watch it. So <laughs> I feel like I'm going to probably avoid that altogether. It's worth watching, especially because like, if you have such a sour image of how it ends, like it's better than the worst thing in the world. Um, let's see. Lovecraft con- country. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah. Um, um, I want to rewatch the morning show again because I went to the premiere of the morning show when it was first coming out. And I thought the first two episodes were meh. But then after that, I've heard so many good things after the first two episodes, even three episodes. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should go back and try to watch the morning show. Okay. I haven't seen it. I don't know that I'm going to. Um, I, what else did I have on my watch list for a really long time? I don't know. I, it's so hard because I feel like I, the more I have on my watch list, it's more like movies, which is yeah. more like, so more than anything else out of all the series, you know, that's like available now, which is like, you know, nuts. But yeah, those are TV shows wise. I have more movies on my watch list than anything else. Sure. All right. Oh, oh one East of Maritown. Yeah. yeah, that's one I haven't watched. Uh, yet. Mayor of East Town. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> uh, that's also on my queue, for sure. So, uh, all right. say that one's good too. But. So, uh, two more quick questions then. Uh, what is your favorite TV show of all time? Oh my gosh, this is such a hard question. Um, <laughs> it depends on the genre. Like, I, I always say Friends is like my favorite TV show. I love Barry a lot. I think that's one of my favorites of like all time. Mm-hmm. I love Breaking Bad. I think that's everybody's answer though. 
Mm, a lot of people's, yes. Yeah, so I would have to say Breaking Bad. Um, let's see. Breaking Bad's know. your answer? Yeah, I'm going to go with Breaking Bad. Okay. Uh, my favorite show of all time is HBO's Watchmen. I think it's incredible. Um, love it, love it. I haven't watched that one either. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with the source material? Yeah, I know. Well, I've seen the original Watchmen. So. Okay. Um, it's based off the comic, not the, <laughs> the thing, which really only matters at the end, uh, like with the way that it ends. So Yeah, that's what um, I figured and when I remember reading and stuff. Everybody has talked about it, and I know it's won like all of its awards and stuff like that, Yeah, and what it centers around, and so I'm pretty familiar with it. I just haven't sat down and watched that one yet. You should be able to either read the Wikipedia article of the graphic novel, like summary, mm-hmm. or um, you should be able to, like, there's a, there is a, like, motion graphic novel that you should be able to buy somewhere yeah i'm i'm i do own like i think i own a copy of the watchman in general so i don't even i should just read it at this point so i just haven't i feel like i never have time to read anymore that's one of the things i wish i had time to do so um yeah you should be familiar with the source um before you you had the show but it's it's my favorite show of all time it's great uh and one hot take you have for tv like a, a show that you love that that um Nobody else does or a show that you Okay, I'm going to give love likes. to a show nobody has probably have ever, ever watched. And people should have watched, should have been nominated for stuff, and has great performances. Okay. Um, anybody who has Amazon Prime, it's called Zero, Zero, Zero. Yeah, I've never heard of this. And... It's I really thought home. you were going to say, like, Good Omens or something. I was like, everybody's no. heard of that. I'm like, no, no, uh. no, no, no. Um, this is a one-series, like, mini-series that follows a shipment of cocaine from uh, Mexico, it, where it's packed, and then it's transported all across the Atlantic. Okay, zero, zero, zero. And it's got Dane DeHaan, mm-hmm. Adriana Rosenberg, mm-hmm. and it's got, like, this... All other cast of like you know actors of different ethnicities that I never even heard of, and it's and some of the episodes are directed by Stefan Solomino. I think that's how you say it. it's a, it's an Italian director, and uh, he recently directed Without Remorse, but he also directed the recent uh, Sicario film. Mm-hmm. The yep, Deus, yeah, Day of the Soldado. Yep, it's well, you- really excellent. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, gosh, I, I really like him. I think he's uh great, but, um, despite, yeah, without you know, remorse you know, was not good. yeah, you know, without remorse wasn't good. Still an excellent, excellent series. It had me hooked. It's only like six episodes. And to be clear, he is one of the two highlights of without remorse. He's yeah. directing the shit out of that movie. Um, and Michael B. Jordan is, is excellent. Is great. Um, yeah. So otherwise, uh, it's a show nobody has watched. It was probably like my favorite show I watched all of quarantine and nobody has heard of it or watched it. And I is was it, like the biggest Is supporter. it meant to be a mini series? Is there ever meant to be a season two or? I could see there being a season two, okay. but I but, hope there isn't. Okay. No, so, I mean, that's good because you, because you just recommended it and it's only eight episodes and it's oh, like, yeah. if it's just going to be eight episodes, it's like, all right, like I'm it's more like willing. A, it's like I'm an eight-hour movie. I'm willing to give that a shot. Yeah, you know, but it's like, so I'm, good. I'm more willing to put it up in my queue because it's just eight. So. Yeah, it's excellent. Nobody, 
I, I'm, I, I wish it got more attention for it. The only time it really got some recognition is that one of the actors was nominated for uh, Independent Spirit Award for uh, his acting. But it's Dana Han wasn't it wasn't nominated, but it was one of the other characters that you're going to see throughout the series who really becomes like this horrifying, scary looking figure. All right. You really see emotional change. And for him, it's great. It's outstanding. Well, my hot take is going to be the opposite. Um, I don't think I'm a Rick and Morty fan anymore. Oh, okay. I never seen really Rick and Morty. I've just seen clips. So I think seasons one and two are great. Um, like really consistently incredible stuff with some not so great episodes every now and then. Uh, but usually pretty terrific. Uh, I think season three is about 50-50. And I think season four has two good episodes in it. And the rest of them are are not. And season five has, I think, one episode I, I actually really liked in it. Um, and it's the it, to me, it's the one, um, for those of you that are listening that have seen Rick and Morty season four, it's the one where with uh, uh, where Rick goes to revive Bird Person. Um, okay. I think that's a good episode. The rest of them. How I don't do you like. feel about the animated version that's episode that's going to come out? You, the live action? I mean, not the, yeah, the live action. I mean, excuse I, me. I didn't know if there was actually going to be one. I, I, I saw like, the teaser image, like a, but I didn't. Yeah. I, I, that's what I assume is like, is there actually coming it out as a live action or is that just a joke? That's what I, I, I wasn't I don't sure. I don't know about. if it was just a tease because it's what everybody's wanted to see. I don't, I, I don't think it was just, I think it was just here. Look. Here's I, what they would look like. Cause I love, I love Christopher Lloyd. I'm just seeing him pop up. I was like, Oh, Hey, maybe I should watch this. Um, here's the thing. Um, the show got really good, really quick. And they knew they were good and the fan base were consistently supporting them and all that. And then adult swim caved and gave them the biggest contract of like TV history. Um, and then the show got so far up its own ass that I can't enjoy it anymore Uh, because, because they can't just have a regular episode. They can't just have, here's a fun little adventure. Everything has to be, um, uh, you know, like one of the first episodes of I think season four is like they do this heist and there's a, you know, double cross, I think 30 times in the episode. Um, and there's a there's an episode, I think the first episode this season where they're um, Rick and Morty are, and the family are just dying frequently. Um, and then there's always like, oh, that was just a decoy. And it turns out being like 60, 70 layers of decoys or something like that. Um this show is just so far up its own ass. It can't see the daylight anymore and I can't enjoy it. Anymore. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give season six a shot, uh, but I won't be surprised if I don't finish season six. Um, like I know season five just finished airing. Um, I really love season one and two and I like season three and I like some of season four, um, but between the decline between that is just going, um, I just, I don't think I can get behind the show anymore. Um, so, my, what I wrote down for my hot take is Rick and Morty was better in the beginning. Um, and uh, I I am not interested in where the show's going for the future. So consider me not a fan anymore. Um, when do you I, think it's going to end? What season? Oh, like- uh, after season two. So they were holding out on season three for the longest time. And season two ended on a cliffhanger because Adult Swim gave them the initial contracts. And they kept on yeah. trying to sign them for short-term stuff. They signed them to like a, I want to say like an 11 season, $90 million oh contract gosh, or something like that. gosh. That's it, nuts. It was an insanely big contract. So it is not stopping anytime soon. Um, 
And like I said, they got the confidence and they don't have to worry about getting canceled or anything like that. And they don't have to worry. But like, here's the thing. Fans are loving it. Mm-hmm. If you go to the IMDb ratings, like the first it's episode high. of season five is, is ridiculously high. It, I didn't like the episode. I not like not even a little bit. Um, so I don't like this show anymore. I, oh, I'm the minority. So it's a hot take. So there we go. Um, like I said, I'll give it a shot, but I don't, if, if the show doesn't start to be more enjoyable to watch. Um, yeah. Then, um, I don't, I, at this point, I don't think I'm just, I think I'm just going to give up, um, one or two episodes of season six. That's my prediction. So, okay. And stop watching. Um, all right. So for the B plot this week, um, that was our TV talk for the B plot this week. Um, in honor of Michael K. Williams's um, death this, this past week, this tragic death, um, he is widely known for the role of Omar on The Wire, and that character is widely considered to be one of the best TV characters of all time. I thought, um, let's talk about some of the other greatest TV characters of all time. Uh, obviously, Omar from The Wire, not included, um, since it's used example. Um, I have five listed. Uh, I'll go ahead and kick us off. I'll talk about, I'm going to give mine an order, five to one. Um okay. And uh, you can go, my number five is, um, and I didn't think about this probably as much as I thought about it, um, but I really like all five of these. Uh, my five is um, Camille Preaker. This is Amy Adams' character from Sharp Objects. Okay. Uh, I think there's so much complexity there, and it's written in such a great way. And, of course, Dennis Lehane, like I mentioned earlier, and Amy Adams in a career-best performance, um, which is saying something for Amy Adams' career. Um, there is so much depth, um, to this character. I also tried to stay away from like, this is an adaptation of a book, but I tried to stay away from like actually adapted characters. Like I, I didn't pick like Batman from the Batman animated series or anything like that. I maybe would have considered Harley Quinn because of, uh, cause she was originally made for the, the animated series, but, right. um, but anyway, I tried to stay with pretty original characters. So Camille Parker, uh, Camille Preaker from Sharp Objects is my number, number five. So love her. Okay, so I don't have a particular order because I feel like my list is all over the place. Yep. So my num I'm gonna say number one and probably be my number one favorite all time is Walter White. Yeah, I figured that would be the case. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there is nobody else in this world that can compete against Walter White and what he does. I I love the performance that Ryan Cranston brought to the entire series and I just adored that series and he really elevated to what that show what it was. I enjoy watching it. Thought it was great because of Walter Wright. And I love how they end his character off. So yep. really great story of a character. My first hot take was I don't think Breaking Bad's all that good. And it's because I don't like the character of Walter White. So Ow. I think I don't think at no point in the series do I ever want to root for him. So no, I guess that's the point too. Yes, and that's and that's what people him, bring up. Just, but it's like you... no, I don't I don't want anything to do with this guy. So uh, my number four is going to be. I, I thought long and hard about this one whether I actually believe it or not. Uh, my number four is Jack Bauer. Um, oh gosh, from Twenty Four. <laughs> Here's the reasoning: is Twenty Four is is not as good of a show if you don't have Jack Bauer. I think uh, his dedication to getting the job done, um, seeing the suffering that he goes through and seeing the lines that he somehow has to cross, but he never does it lightly. Um, I think it, it's clearly key for Sutherland and his portrayal and this, the way this character is written, why it got nine seasons. 
because mm-hmm. um, I think that I think it's a pretty great show all around. Seasons are really excellent or terrible, uh, but um, Kiefer Sutherland is terrifically just terrific. Um, so, and I love seeing I love seeing that uh, Jack Bauer all timer for. Okay, my next one. I was thinking about it, and I might have to say two from the same show, and this is going back to Barry because I love Nohan Hank. Yeah, uh, I definitely considered him. Yeah, because I just love the fact that he's just this wannabe mobster. Yeah. (laughs) Being the mobster that he just so desires to want to be. He has this pure soul. It was just honest and just the funniest character I've ever seen. I, I just adore him. I think he's just so funny and how he interacts with everybody, especially with Barry. And how the two, he, him and Barry, he considers Barry as like one of his friends. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think he's great. Yeah, I totally agree with that pick. Uh, all right, my number three is uh, DCI John Luther from Luther. Portrayed by Idris Elba. This is a BBC show you can catch on HBO Max. It is one of my favorite shows of all time. It is for sure my favorite like procedural show of all time. Um, there's only 21 episodes. Um, because it's BBC and they just kind of make what episodes whenever they feel like it. Yeah. Um, this It's such an incredible show. Idris Elba is giving a career best performance, which is again, saying something. Um, and uh, I love how like, because it's BBC there, it's not a typical crime procedural uh, because it's more invested in the main character. And uh, most, most episodes, if they were going after a, um, uh, a killer is two episodes long, uh, but, and there's a lot of like, overarching stuff um yeah I, th- I think i think this character is excellent and idris alba is uh is the goat the goat yeah okay so i feel like i should say barry but we just talked about uh what should it call it barry in the show and no hon hank yeah so maybe i will change it up and i'm just gonna say one character that who really really always makes me laugh and that's Phoebe from friends there's no okay. doubt in my mind where I can watch, because I, I always have friends on in the background, whatever I'm doing. I just feel, because I always like having something something that's comforting to me. And that show is Friends. And there's just something that about Phoebe that makes her warm and just feel good and just carefree. And to be honest, Phoebe. she is the, like, best person in Friends. Oh, you know? she's just, like, a like almost like the fresh breath of fresh air, given what she does. Just not give... A single F what anybody does. Well, and Ross it's is atrocious her. and Joey's, Ross, you know, Ross is Joey, Ross. Joey's my favorite. Joey's like the, my favorite to watch, but he's not, he's not really a great guy, you know, same yeah. with Chandler. Yeah. And Monica and Phoebe or, or Monica and Rachel definitely have their issues. And, yeah. Oh, and definitely. Like, yeah. Phoebe's just, yeah. Lighthearted and fun and, you know, oblivious to a lot of things, which kind of gives her an innocence to her, even though she's definitely experienced the most out of the group. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number two um, is another crime show, um, but I, I think this I like this character more. He got more time. Um, seven seasons on FX. Raylan Givens from Justified. Um, I'm a Tim- Timothy Oliphant stan. I think he's great, and this is his best performance. Um, he he really makes this character something special. And uh, um, Justified is one of those shows that I cannot believe people don't talk about as much as they as much as. Uh, they should. It's been off for a couple seasons, but one of the best TV pilots of all time, and uh, one of the best performances with Timothy Oliphant. I, it's one of my favorite shows of all time, and it deserves to be talked about more. Um, okay, so 
rest in peace to Jessica Walters because um, Lucille Booth. Oh my gosh, she was the best part of Arrested Development. I uh, love her. Okay, why? Why? Who, who do you think is no, your favorite of Arrested Development? I, I mean, everybody's favorite? so everybody's so good. I don't I don't know that I have a favorite. I think anything up from any, any season Ma- from maybe one Job. Three, Job is great. <laughs> But, but, but every time Gene Parmesan reveals himself and you see Jessica Oh Walters my gosh, it just goes out! Gene! <laughs> I love I, my, my sister and I quote that all the time. And anything from one through three is just so great. Anything after that, it just really falls down the tubes for it. I like, I like season four. I didn't really like it as much. I so, do. It's not as good, but I liked it. No, I feel like all the classic stuff is one through three, and it's so good. Oh, she has she's... two of the best lines in the show, which is that, like, here's some money, go see a Star War. And, uh, <laughs> Honestly, and there's the one where it's like, it's just a banana, Michael. How much could it cost? Twenty dollars? Like, there's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, her, she's, she's oh got some gosh. of the best lines. She she's just a who. I I just adore her. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're right. She might be my favorite character. Um, yeah, and the way she's written is is so perfect too. Um, gosh, I love that show so much. Thank you for bringing that smile to my face. <laughs> you gotta rewatch it now. I do. Well, I've already seen it twice all the way through. Um, okay. But my wife hasn't seen it, so now I have an excuse to watch it a third time. But exactly. my wife has, also hasn't seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I got her to watch the pilot of Ted Lasso, and she's like, one day you'll get me to watch this, but today is not that day. I was like, oh. She's like, I liked it, but I was like, that's fine, because I want to binge the whole thing right now, um, leading up to the season two premiere. So I did okay. That. Uh, okay. My number one favorite TV character of all time is uh, Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Um, okay. Scrubs is my favorite comedy of all time. I said that before. Uh, um, and Dr. Cox is a big reason why. Uh, because there's so much of him that's a realist and so much of him that's a cynic. Uh, and every now and then you get a glimmer of an optimist. And those are some truly beautiful moments. He has some of the funniest dialogue ever written. Uh, my favorite line from Scrubs is delivered by him. Um, and it's he says, uh, he's talking to one of the characters who's, you know, he calls him newbie. And he says, there are two things I'm confident in this world is that uh, um, you are totally incompetent at your job. One is that you're totally incompetent at your job. And number two, if they were to remove porn from the internet, there would be one website left and it would be called Bring Back the Porn. And it's like the way he delivers it is like, it's very spitball. It's very fast. It's very rapid fire. It's it's great. Um, And the fact that he had to memorize all John C. McGinley is is a national treasure uh, for me. And, um, but not only that, but there are two separate times where they take this character through serious depressive arcs. And, um, it is way ahead of its time for being a 2000s show. I haven't seen Scrubs in years. Maybe I need to revisit that. Yeah. yeah. He is the funniest character in the show. Um, the most likable, even though he's not a good person for the most part. Um, and they definitely take him through to mental health crisis and, uh, or crises and, uh, um, really just get raw with him. And, uh, yes, it, he is my favorite TV character of all time. Okay. Um, I didn't get to say this as probably one of my, this is also one of my favorite TV shows. Um, I don't know if you ever watched Bates Motel. I didn't. Oh, excellent. You gotta watch that series. Uh, probably my favorite character in that series, um, it's tied between 
Norma and Norman Bates, honestly. What both Mira Farmiga and what uh, Eddie Highmore do with the, both of their characters. Oh my gosh, it's an ex- character exploration for how the mother uh, made Norman of how who he is. It's excellent. It's such a great character study of Norman itself too. And uh, Eddie, Freddie Highmore does an excellent, excellent job. That I'm just bummed that series never got the full credit it deserves. It explores all sorts of craziness of like mental health and just takes you on this journey. And I, the last season, it, we really get into what Norman really got into the mind of how he was when he murdered, you know, the famous shower scene. So, um, yeah, I would have to cool. say that. Good. Yeah, that's a show I'm sure I'll get around to at some point. I just, I feel like I have to be a big enough psycho fan, and I am a middling psycho fan. <laughs> I think it's a good movie, but I'm not like over the moon. It's far What's from your my favorite. favorite. Uh, uh, hit, uh, rope. Rope. Okay. Rope. Rope is the best um, to me. Uh, which is window. which is which is the one that Hitchcock hates the most. Uh, Rear Window is really good too. I like Rear Window more than I like Psycho. Um, I like Strangers on a Train more than I like Psycho. I like Dial M for Murder more than I like Psycho. Mm-hmm. Vertigo. Rear Window would probably be number, my number two. Um, probably the only Hitchcock I've seen so far that I don't like more than Psycho would be um, uh, the Shadow of a Doubt. Okay. And probably, probably North by Northwest. Because it, okay. it's a wow, it's a little a long, especially at the end. Um, it's still great. Yeah. It's just maybe a little long, and I, I think Psycho is not good. So, yep. yeah. Cool. So then uh, we just got the spinoff to do, Kristen. So, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you really want to make sure people know about, or um, or they should uh, know about for good or for worse? Hmm. Like, what's that one thing that you really just like? I gotta tell people either to watch this or to check or to avoid this. Um, well, I said, you know, watch, you know, zero, zero, zero. I feel like I need to give a series that shouldn't be watched. It doesn't have to be TV. It could be a movie. I know, or a series or a movie. Um, I will say recently, what did I watch? That was really, really bad. I just reviewed it too. Um, on the hype train here, this will get you probably uh, some views, but the He's All That remake is trash. <laughs> I could have told you that and I didn't even see it. piece of cinema history. I've never seen anything phony so bad or shallow. And it's directed by Mark Waters, who did like Mean Girls and Freaky Friday. And then Those after. Those are two great movies. I know. And then after, and then he's done like the Spiderwick Chronicles. He did the Vampire Academy, Bad Santa too. So anything like after 2007, I would have to say, is when his career really took a steep down low. And then he got was to direct. He's all that in the world's worst form for a director. I can't even begin to tell you how much that really made me hate movies. Who thought that was the right choice? Like, shouldn't that have been a female director? (laughs) It was so bad. Like, every female director that's ever ever existed passed on the opportunity. Yeah, and and that was a good thing. And And that's how it landed in this guy's hands. I feel like the reason why they hired Mark Waters was to bring back the magic of, like, Mean Girls and Freaky Friday to bring back that early 2000s spirit. But it does not. Yeah. (laughs) It's so bad. 
There you go. Oh He's God. all that on Netflix. Stay as far away from you can as uh, as you can. I'm going to recommend a movie that you should check out and you should check out soon. Um, it's on Hulu currently. Uh, I'm going to recommend very strongly uh, The Guilty. Um, this is a kind of one location uh, police um, crime thriller. Um, so it's a foreign film. Um, I think Sweden. And um, I could be wrong. It's one of the like northern European countries. Um, and so it is a foreign language film with subtitles. Um, okay. Or you could dub it, but no subtitles. Um, it's about this guy who's a 911 dispatcher. And he gets a call and he's trying to handle it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's I think I think that's all I want to say. Um, there's definitely a subplot. Um, it's a really crisp, really tense, like 88 minutes or so. It's a really quick, uh, it's an easy watch from what I heard. Hmm? It's an easy watch from what I heard. And I've got to watch it soon because I'm anxious because I'm a huge Jake Gyllenhaal fan. So yes. I got to watch it. So yeah, I'm that's, that's why, up. that's why I chose to say that. Like you got to watch it soon because the, um, the Jake Gyllenhaal Anton Fuqua is premiering at Toronto International Film Festival they right did. now. It's got and good reviews. <clears throat> I've only seen bad, but um, I'm still excited about it because I think the original. You heard good. bad. I saw one really good review. Uh, yeah, uh, Mariana Neal uh, impression impression blend uh, hates it. Oh no. Um, but anyway, um, the original is incredible, and I guarantee you, as good as as I hope the remake is, it w- it just won't be as good as the original. Um, so uh, you can check it out on Hulu right now. It's super good. Um, has an incredible ending, um, some really incredible acting. Um, I love this movie. It's really great. So check out The Guilty. Like I said, you can find it on Hulu. Um, or you could do what I did and just buy it. Um, so there you go. Uh, on that note, quick ra- quick reminder that Popeye's Room is part of, you, part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you're interested in writing for Ziff Pop, as always, you can join our community. And um, you can uh, um, email me uh, at writersroom at sifpop.com. You can also use that if you have uh, feedback you want to send or send us a question to explore during the B plot. But that's all sorts of ways you can get connected uh, with me. Uh, Kristen, where do you want to send people? Like, what do you want to shamelessly self plug? Oh, yes, I get to shamelessly plug. Yes, I love doing this. So you can follow me on Instagram at Miss Filmingo. And on Twitter at KFilmingo. I'm also on TikTok at uh, Miss Filmingo. And I post all sorts of movie reviews, not just on Sif Pop, but I write for a couple other websites too. But um, Sif Pop is where it's at. I will say that. Um, so, uh, yeah, follow me on there. And you can also catch me on my podcast, the MK Productions podcast, where I co host that show with my, with my good friend Mac. And we talk movies and um, movie news and review films. And talk box office and all sorts of fun stuff. So, and also, if you want to be on a guest on that show, you are more than welcome to. Anybody who wants to talk movies, feel free to message me. Awesome. Uh, well, hey, it's been uh, been a pleasure having you on. I uh, really appreciated getting to, to know you. And to yeah, talk, of to course, it was great. I enjoyed my time. So, thank you. Of course, we'll have to have on, have you on again. You know, we try to have all the writers on uh, um, once every six months or so. Um, so the schedule will go out sometime in like November or something like that, but we'll, you know, we'll get you on again, uh, here coming soon. And, uh, yeah, uh, I look forward to it. Whenever you need, I'm always there. (laughs) 
Uh, well, uh, that'll do it. Um, next month, uh, I'll be talking about TV with uh, uh, Adam Ritchie, one of the writers of Hip Hop, goes by Curb Rider on tw- Twitter. Uh, I'll be talking with him next month for TV. And next week, make sure to come back for an episode of Goats with me and Robert, where we'll be talking about Kramer versus Kramer and Ikiru, um, as well as lots of other fun stuff. Uh, so we'll see you back here next week.